Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 6, titled The Adversary. Uh, Walks about like a roaring lion. Does he? That's what the Bible says. Does it it mention the adversary? Yeah, Satan. The the devil? Yeah, the devil's the adversary. Whenever I hear the adversary, I always think back to biblical times. The adversary. Is that the adversary here? Is the devil roaming around Westworld? Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. There's been a lot of talk about gods and devils and duality of man, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll grist for the the mill. All right. What do you think of this episode? Uh, I really liked it. Uh, Again, just when I thought that they might be kind of uh, pumping the brakes and slowing down, they just barrel forward. Like, this Maeve thing is out of fucking control. Oh, out of control is the right word for it. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like this episode a lot. I think it was it gave us a lot of good information. Um, uh, it was fun to watch. A little twisty twist of Teresa. Uh, a little twisty twist. But, oh my God, how stupid are these mechanics? How fucking stupid. I can't get over how stupid these guys well, are. Well, to be fair, the show has tried to paint them as pretty fucking stupid. But they're like, phenomenally this is, stupid. This is not the brain trust of the corporation. They're reckless. They're stupid. They're they're the worst part of this show so far. And, and, and I'm also thinking at every step, like, okay, at what point does the risk of you losing your job and your your robotic prostitution income be less important than the fact that you are covering up a potentially homicidal robot that you could maybe have criminal charges filed against you? And... Not to mention, lose your job. Right. Like, the things you're doing are no less likely to make you lose your job than what she's threatening. Right. And and you have the you have the tablet. You have the tablet right in front of you. Just shut her down. I don't think Just, she... They, I, so that's the one thing that I have saw a lot of people send in for feedback and on forums and whatnot. They say, why don't they... I don't think they can just shut her down. Okay, how about this? Turn her perception to zero and lie to her. But can't like you yes know. absolutely because they pumped up her her what uh, app perception yeah, her no, no, bulk yeah, app they, perception. i'm saying i'm saying like they uh, certainly can do a lot of things to fuck her up or um but also the fact that they, they found out that someone down to zero that there's someone even more powerful than them that's mucking about with her i mean i think that's and yet they continue to muck like that didn't stop them from mucking <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I think that it's a lot harder if you're the idiots in question to properly weigh the checks and balances. In fact, I wonder if uh, Sylvester there would have done something, ex- and, and then when he found out, I don't know. I I am trying to not ask too many questions because you're right. A lot of that stuff doesn't seem to make much sense, and uh, certainly a person of my particular. Uh, ethical frameworks and intelligence. I don't think I would go down the same route that they that they'd have. But <laughs> okay. I mean, that's the thing. Like you say, this is stupid. But if you look at a lot of cases of criminal behavior, it's mm-hmm. it's all comes down to just being fucking stupid and sure. not knowing when to quit and and getting your own personal pride and your image and what you, you not being able to properly weigh what you can and cannot lose in a situation so right but there are a hundred different avenues of shutting this situation down that they don't take advantage of if if bernard was doing this i'd have a bigger problem these two that have been consistently portrayed as dumb fucks um and and fuck ups i i guess they're the perfect victim that i guess Maeve i don't has. buy that anyone in this facility would be by standard definitions, dumb. Like, these are not dumb guys. Not even the jizz moppers? 
Meh, maybe. Maybe the Jizz Moppers. Maybe the, but those are all hosts anyway. We talked about this last right, time. Right, like, so if you go to the Google campus and find the dumbest motherfucker on the campus. Right, he's smarter than I am. I'll tell you that much. Perhaps, perhaps in certain ways. I don't know. It's, it's, and, and we're not even getting into the deep questions about this. Like, if Ford is genuine in him knowing everything there is to know about all the employees of the park, mm-hmm. how are these guys running around with their weird science set up? <sighs> I don't know. So I, don't know. I mean, so we're really stretching this idea that they're not being actively monitored at this mm-hmm. point because they are being actively watched by sure. all of the technicians and the people in design looking through these glass walls. No one's questioning anything. Here's what I'm going to say as a as a former system administrator mm-hmm. who could theoretically see everybody's porn and everybody's affairs are having with their husband or again uh, outside the knowledge of husbands and wives and all having that an stuff. affair with your husband that's just the i'm worst. too i was too fucking like people always would sweat it mm-hmm. but i was too fucking busy to like you know look and see who's jerking in at work and whatnot like i got my own shit to do and i had reams sure. i had oceans of data to swim in and looking at people trying to attack us from without etc i didn't have time and it's like elsie found the one guy fucking the robot no one knew about that because no one was looking. If you think about the type of the amount of data this place generates day in and day out, it's it's probably not even an ocean. It's a universe. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to know where to look, and you rely on you know red flags and all kinds. Like he said, like oh, we do this and that. It's going to be flagged. Well, it will now. I guess the question is, what happens next? Right. That should be flagged. Who is it going to? Who's going to see? And are they going to have some kind of believable scenario where there's a corporate power takeover between Teresa and who and Ford and whom else, and it's just going to get lost in the, the paperwork, or is this going to get shut down and quick? Uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's the thing. Like, I think it'd be premature to stop watching the show because you just can't oh, believe I'm not that Felix stop. and Sylvester are this yeah. stupid or whatever, but... I, 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 I never gotta, said that. I'm not going to stop watching this show. It's awesome. There's been a few people that are that are just can't get oh, over the already. Well, already I mean, so, the I'm done with it starts. Come so, on, so we know you're not. If you were like, if you were a person that's concerned about the simunitions and how many shots the man in black took and what the, how the hell these bullet holes get repaired and what's going uh-huh. on with the jizz and like if you like, I've just been able to just like whistle past every one of those inconsistencies because mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's germane to the story. But if that's something that's really been bothering you, then, like, you know, who knows what's going to be the straw that breaks your camel's back. I suppose so. I don't know. If if you saw somebody walk into the lobby of your building with one of your servers, you might say, what are you doing over but there? But if he was a technician that regularly has access to the server room and he's just wheeling, you know, like he's wheeling a blade in and out of this... No, I mean, that's... Well, he's headed out the front door. Like, this... That's the thing. When he gets to the lobby, and that's why he was super fucking afraid. Like, if anyone sees you gaping at this commercial, it's going to be, you know... Right. (laughs) But also, like, I've been in big companies where you're supposed to have badges. You're not supposed to hold the doors open for people. Mm -hmm. They're coming and flying in the side exit. And guess what? Nine times out of ten, you come flying in from the side exit. Hey, hold that door! They fucking hold the door. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a bat. Like, people... In big companies, assume that it's that someone else's problem, you know? All right. Like, that's one of the things. big company. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Not even a – the bigger the company, the more vulnerable you are to it's somebody else's problem. This is why they're failing. Sure. you gotta, you got to watch out for shit <laughs> like this. All right. Uh, we've talked enough about these two stooges. Hey, uh, a funny thing happened to us after we finished the Westworld podcast uh, last week. We found out that Amazon dropped us as an affiliate. Now – if you've listened to a lot of Bald Move podcasts and you listen to a lot of my pitches, you'll know that the Amazon 
affiliate revenue stream, people using that affiliate link accounted for about a third of our operating income, which has had some uh, pretty drastic effects on our, our bottom line. Uh, we're in a bit of a, a bit of trouble. Uh, we've got a URL, save.baldmove.com, that explains it in detail. We recorded a video that has a pretty transparent look at our financial situation and the history of Bald Move and, and how we achieve our funding and our, our monthly expenditures and our monthly income and how this Amazon thing has, uh, has impacted it. Um, but we're trying to essentially raise $25,000 before uh, the end of the year, because that's how much we need to kind of the make up for the lack of Amazon and to kind of survive into the spring where, where we can recover. We're also increasing the price of the club. Um, and, you know, it's essentially a choice that you have. Like if you want to see Bald Move continue, uh, do you want to see it grow? Do you want to continue to get our, our podcasts? Uh, then we really need your guys' support. Uh, save.baldmove.com. Again, there's a lot more information there. Uh, there's the video that I encourage everybody to watch. If nothing else, it's a pretty interesting look into the finances of a, a podcast startup. But we do we do need your help. Um, uh, if if uh, as it stands, if nothing changes, then uh, we are going to have to scale back or perhaps even cease operations early next year. So the uh, whether you want to support us or not, it's all in your hands. And uh, please please do what you can. Save.baldmove.com. Let's get into the recap. Uh, we start off with Maeve waking up, going to the saloon, and getting herself killed, just specifically so she can wake up in the lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm r- still really loving their their choice in music. She goes into the saloon here and uh, the Mariposa, and they're playing Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. Uh, Liking their Radiohead. Player Piano rendition. Yeah, they, player, the player they go piano strong on it this week. Is a is a Radiohead fan, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a computer, a cybernetic... Uh, I think a cybernetic piano would be a natural Radiohead fan. Yeah, I picked up on this one because it's one of my favorite Radiohead songs, but I did not pick up on the one later that they use, specifically in that lobby that we're we're talking about. Um, I guess that's called Motion Picture Soundtrack, and it's from the end of Kid A, hmm. uh, which is apparently a big thing. I, oh, it was double radio? Because I... Yeah, they doubled up on Radiohead this week. Interesting. Um, did a strings version. That's of... three Radiohead songs they've had. Yeah, yeah. So really, watch out, Stone Temple Pilots. You're I just you're getting I... blown out by Radiohead, <laughs> right? I just think their music choices have been phenomenal. Oh yeah, I've I've loved these orchestral and player piano remixes. Someone uh, hit. I didn't include this in the feedback because I got so much of it, but someone hipped me into feedback that I guess iTunes is selling an album that has all this stuff on it. Yeah. We might even have mentioned that before, but just again, if that's something you'd be into, mm-hmm. it's all available. Uh, anything to say about this scene or should we move on to Elsie and Bernard? Um, so the big, the big consistency that I don't think is explainable on the show is Maeve can't control which technician she ends up with. Right. Now there is some stuff in the ARG part of Discover Westworld where they've they've got some of these workflows where they explain that most often the hosts that need repairs are sent to the same technicians because they're the ones most familiar with their programming, makeup, whatever, whatever hand wave. But it does bother me because I've said it on other shows that like I don't think the creators can allow or rely on this back channel type communication. That that needs to right. get like it would have been easy 
if like in the other episode where Felix is freaking out about Maeve coming back for Sylvester, be like, look, dumb fuck. They, of, of course we would get her. We're the ones that are assigned bots A through Z or whatever, because it's, Suspension to disbelief is kind of a spell you weave, and mm-hmm. every little nick that the suspension takes lowers it. And if you could just do stuff, I I wonder how many people would be complaining about Felix and Sylvester if the only thing they were worried about is how stupid are they? But there's a lot of other things that I think bug people in the back of their mind that I wish they were able to get onto the screen because they thought about it, they just didn't right. have time to get it into the actual thing that we're all watching. How about this? She's done this fifty times. And this is the time she gets back to Felix. Well, I just, yeah, there. I go. mean, there's nothing to say that no, she has not. Died but the show does hundreds have, of times, right? With, with apologies to all the theories, the show does have timelines it has to keep. And like, I don't know that does I would it? buy that this thing is happening over the course of years. Mm-hmm. This needs to happen over the course of days and weeks. Yeah. I think. I mean, I guess there's an interesting way to tell mm-hmm. it from a robot's point of view. It doesn't matter, right? She could achieve this character development in five years or five days, and it doesn't matter to her, right? Right. It would matter, I guess, to Felix. Um, right. He he wouldn't be like, oh, you again, if it were five years later. But but that would be an interesting way to tell the story is, like, mm-hmm. you know, that she's been waiting for. But but they, they're not doing that, so. Right. So go back to Elsie and Bernard. They're t- talking about the transmitter. This is the uh, the conversation where we left them last time. And all sleuthy. Yeah, Elsie would like to cross-reference the location data with some sat tracking and find out where this guy was transmitting to. Uh, but the location data has been destroyed. Turns out this is actually uh, an older model. The Stray is. Um, it had a legacy GPS system. And Bernard goes downstairs to access the data, and he finds the Stray's location. But he also finds five anomalous uh, signals from other hosts that are not registered with the new system. Good thing Dr. Ford's cabin was by the peak that the uh, wood ca- right. carver climbed. Now, I guess I assume that's a coincidence, but maybe not. Maybe Dr. Maybe Ford not. is involved in this too. Um, maybe. I will say that holy shit, were they effective at building the tension of Bernard and Elsie going into these old abandoned parts of Westworld? Oh yeah! Like I was expecting killer robots to come out at any particular <laughs> point, and and it does seem like Elsie has fallen afoul of something. Yeah, they went a little tropey with that stuff. I really, I was on pins and fucking neat because I like Bernard and Elsie a lot. Like, I don't know. I they, they, they I, might be my two favorite flesh and blood characters that are kind of broadly heroic. Everybody else has shades of gray, but these guys seem like they're true blue. Okay, yeah, especially Elsie. I, I really like Elsie, but yeah, I when she gets jumped in the theater i was like yep saw that coming a mile away um i I really love the legacy look of these floors though like they look kind of like just slightly futuristic office spaces that we would see today like like westworld has just kept building off layers onto itself and these are the old prehistoric layers of westworld not even necessarily um because some people are like, oh, I wonder if these are just a different worlds and stuff. Now, there is some Easter egg type stuff in the backgrounds of these scenes, like right. lots of Roman statues and armor and swords. There's one uh, cowboy looking guy who is is the gunslinger from the, the Yule Brenner uh, character from the old series. Like it's got the same costume and everything. I, I've seen on set photos of it. And yeah, it's, it's the likeness of. Him. Yeah, it's now I think this is an Easter egg. There's some people running with that and be like, oh, my God, this is the sequel to West. It's I think the jury is still very much out on that but those are really cool easter eggs um kind of nodding back to the source material Mm -hmm. um so i 
at some point during this episode, I'm starting to I'm starting to wonder about Bernard's motivations because I, I don't know. I actually had a lot of questions about why he allowed all of this reverie stuff to go on in the first place. I thought I didn't think it was just his respect for Doctor Ford, but now it seems like it might have been. Well, and that's the thing I keep going by. To and forth about whether Bernard is part of this conspiracy, and it's going to turn out that right. Elsie, you know, he it, it's because that's that's but he's that's, doing a lot to help that's her really, out. Yeah, but like I think back of like the first time I was exposed to this trope as an adult was like in The Fugitive, right? Like the helpful best friend surgeon turns out to be the guy who was behind it all because you were going to squelch my fucking drug and uh, yeah, so. And that guy was super helpful and lying to cops for him. So, like, I keep on having the fugitive in the back of my mind about, like, you know, how deep this betrayal goes. But it does seem like they've kind of thrown me off that scent. Like He's Bernard giving her seems, information he doesn't need to give Elsie. Yeah, he could lie or do whatever, or give her false information and say, I didn't find anything. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you could also say the same thing about the damn surgeon guy. But it, I, I want to believe that Bernard... He has an agenda that I'm not aware of mm-hmm. involving his family, or maybe turns out he's going to be a host. I don't. I, we'll talk about more about that later. Okay. I do think he's got some sort of agenda, but I don't think it lines up with Doctor Ford. And I do think mm-hmm. he's broadly on Elsie's side. And to the extent that it didn't seem like he was um, in the past, it's because he was involved with Teresa. Right. Okay. And that kind of makes a lot of that stuff go away for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. It does. Uh, so speaking of Ford, we go over to him uh, in Las Mudas, which uh, is the town with the church. It's Lawrence's, the family's home. Yep. Uh, some workers tell him that they're going to have to bulldoze the town to extend the canyon that he wants. So he tells them, okay, just make the canyon stop short of the town. Don't don't destroy it. And then he dismisses them and he walks around a little and he notices a maze symbol carved into a table. And he gets his his gears turning there, and he goes back to his office where he's moving around, like, the church on the map that he's got of the town. He's playing God. And then he whips out a journal. Mm Mm-hmm. Whose journal do you think this is? I think they want us to think it's Arnold. I personally think it's Arnold's. I do, too. It could be Ford's. It could be Ford's. Uh, I think it's – I'm going under the pretense that it is Arnold's. And it's got sketches. Because why would he be looking at this thing? Why, Like, if he knew the plan, if he was Arnold or if he was, you know, privy to Arnold's plans, why would he be looking at this and trying to... Great question. You know, intuit the meaning of it. Right. And he fact, wouldn't be. You also see Dolores uh, in her present-day form sketched out. So, like, this... Her being intimately intertwined with the maze and this central puzzle... And the fact that we found out uh, there's a, a, a Jonathan Nolan interview where he said as much that Dolores is one of the few hosts that has been on her narrative this entire time. Mm-hmm. She has not changed in 30 some years. Um, and, so, you know, that's kind of confirms with uh, doc, what, what Dr. Ford kind of taunted her with last ep- uh, episode. So she could be the key to all this Arnold stuff. Mm-hmm. I think she probably is. Yeah, could be. The other thing I wanted to point out is I thought it was really cool because we've been talking about how Ford has these control of the robots. And in the city, when he tells everyone to carry on, they zoom out to a wide angle. And you can see the resumption kind of ripple outward from his location. Kind of like, you know, are are the robots – does he have some kind of way to to control them? 
or are they just programmed to really pay attention to what he does and then all the other robots like take their cues like yeah that's kind of the the robot standing next to him freezes and then the robot six feet away says oh that robot's freezing i better freeze and it ripples out that way because there's a need effect. Or it might not the, even be like them, you know, reading the body language of the other bots. It could be an actual communication between them. Well, that's what I'm saying. The fact that it ripples, if it was like a faster than light transmission, I don't like I, I guess that's what I'm saying. I think the fact that this rippled out implies that this is much more subtle form of control than an actual like, hmm. you know, I wiggle my right finger and that stimulates some kind of electrical <laughs> field and the robots receive it. Okay. Because then why would it ripple out? It would just be like instantaneous to the scene unpauses but unless we're on mars unless we're on mars and the light transmission <laughs> is slower than on earth because physics yep because it's dusty and, up there space it's space <laughs> that, uh did the ford, ford look very troubled by the maze motif on the table yeah too. yeah so i'm really questioning his his motives like i his intentions i thought for the longest time he was a part of this whole plan well and he and i'm starting to get the opposite impression so he's building a canyon mm-hmm. which we know the first phase of it this was a blood red arroyo which is the can you know this 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 gulch or gully mm-hmm. is he actually destroying the narrative like the he's actually remodeling so you can no longer get to the maze i don't think he knew about the maze until oh bullshit. Uh, until recently he's just figuring out because he maze. knows about teddy and he mm-hmm. knows that that's somehow connected and he defiantly juiced up Teddy so the man in black can more quickly find the maze. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he didn't know... Last episode didn't make it seem like he was unaware of it. And the fact that he knew right where that journal is, I don't know. But this stuff... The the revelations we got this week, I think, is just more confusing than anything. Hmm. Because I thought very clearly he knew what it was. And this way, it seems like maybe he's trying to obfuscate the entrance to... Like, he's remapping it so people, if they, they follow the clues, they won't lead anywhere anymore. And why else is he carving a canyon? Uh, Yeah, I don't I don't know why he would be so spooked by the maze itself, by that by that carving then. Well, I just, I don't know if he's spooked or not, just, like, troubled or whatever. I mean, clearly Anthony Hopkins knows how to act, and that's how he was acting, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he goes back and he's like, examining the journal as if he's piecing together some new information that he's so got. I think he knows about the maze, but there might be like a deeper thing to it that he's just now starting to suspect. And I don't know what that deeper thing is. Like it does. If I take him at his word, he doesn't mm-hmm. seem to, he utterly rejects the idea that these robots could develop consciousness. If he's becoming right. aware and that I this always is some kind of, I always, I always didn't believe him there. I didn't either, but it, I do feel like after the last few episodes, he's kind of, and even the way he treats his robotic family, that he's very much on the idea that these are not conscious beings. And I wonder if he's starting to think that this is some sort of Trojan horse that Arnold set up to get this consciousness into the park right? in sure. a way that he was expressly trying to forbid and prevent. Yeah, I don't know that his new narrative necessarily has anything to do with that. I think it might be more about saving the financial... Mm. Uh, situation at the park, perhaps uh, depends yeah. on what you think about timelines and Logan and free fall and all that stuff. But yeah, and I don't, you know, the fact that like Doctor Ford has consistently said he's not a sentimental man, but on the other hand, all of his actions belie that claim. Right. This, but this but is, here's the thing about like the free fall. It, it, Teresa later on says, you know, if this gambit doesn't work, if Ford's new narrative, if he doesn't, if he right. doesn't accomplish his mission whatever that the board's is going to look to make changes. the board's going to make some big changes right so yeah. 
clearly there is some trouble at the park. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether that's just the power struggle between Lee and Ford, as well, far as narrative, I don't know. Is, but... the, is the company, I mean, because you also have the tension between the company could be doing fine, but the investors want it to do better. Okay. Like, oh, well, yeah, you're making a billion dollars of profit, but why not $10 billion? So, And it could be just Ford came in and, and shit all over Lee's uh, narrative uh-huh. in favor of doing his own thing, a narrative that was uh, had a lot of time and effort invested in it. Mm-hmm. The board may not be happy about that. And if this doesn't work out, they'll look to replace him. Maybe well, it doesn't have anything it, it also, to do with financial seems, if, if you look problems at the, necessarily. If you look at the models he's playing with, it also looks increasingly like he's trying to recreate that original Dolores town right. storyline, which, again, I don't see how that fits in with his knowledge of the uh, uh, of the maze. Yeah. Is there any chance that the canyons will be shaped like the maze? And they'll all lead to this town. I don't know. I mean, it looks because I you keep thinking back to that promotional poster that uh, Evan Rachel Wood posted mm-hmm. on her site where it shows her and Teddy embracing at the mouth of the canyon. And in the distance, you see the canyon opens up and there is a ma- the maze right there. Right. Uh, as the man in black and Teddy ride, Teddy tells the man in black the legend of the maze symbol. They find out that the border has been closed due to some trouble in Pariah and they need to find another way to get to Wyatt. Do you want me to talk? Because so last week I ended up with uh, not being able to re- have time to research this man in the maze myth, and I did some. And it's funny because I did I took the time to research it all, and then Teddy essentially summed it up in thirty thirty seconds. Uh, do you right. want the slightly longer form version of this that might have some hints and some? This is stuff right from the Wikipedia article that has. I think it, it speaks to a bit of uh, what's going on here. Sure. Uh, so Teddy says that it's, uh, that this guy in the middle of the maze is a legendary man who was killed many times and he came back, vanquished, uh, all of his aggressors and then built a maze so complicated only he could get into it. Uh, this is a reference to the E. Etoi legend, I think is yeah. how you pronounce that. I'm, I'm famously bad at this. Um, this man in the maze is also responsible. This is, uh, something in, that's part of the, like, Hopi Indian legend and the Southwest, the, a lot of different Southwestern tribes. This legendary figure is also responsible for the gift of the Himdag, a series of commandments guiding people to remain in balance with the world and interact as it is intended. So that feature of the maze makes it seem like Arnold would be the force the that caused the West world to remain the way it is. Right. Which makes you question who is the figure in the middle. Maybe the man in the middle is actually Dr. Ford in this mm-hmm. Arnold parable. Uh, visitors to the cave are asked. Uh, so people that make this legendary uh, attempt to get to the middle of the fa- maze are cautioned to bring a gift to ensure their safe return from the depths of the maze. Uh, and then legend itself, I, can, I, I took a couple notes here. Um, the world was made by the earth maker out of dirt and sweat, which he scraped from his skin. This is the man in the, the maze. The flat earth met the sky with a crash like that of falling rocks, and from the two was born Itoi, the protector of the people. He had light hair and a beard. Itoi and the earth maker shaped uh, and peopled the new world, and they were followed everywhere by a coyote or by Coyote, who came uh, to life uncreated and began immediately to poke his nose into everything. In this new world, there was a flood. Fucking nosy coyotes. There's a flood, a teddy flood. And the three agreed before they took refuge that one of them should emerge first after the subsidence of the waters 
and he should be their leader and have the title of elder brother. It was the Earthmaker, the creator who came forth first, then Atoi next, but Atoi insisted on the title and took it. This is also interesting in the context of two partners founding a world. Um, Atoi brought the people up like children and taught them their arts, but in the end he became unkind and they killed him. Atoi, though killed, had much power and he came to life again, then invented war. He decided to sweep the earth of the people that he had made. He needed an army for this purpose and went underground and brought up uh, the people that they call the Papagos, which seems like a legendary mythical race of people. They lived in a land scattered with imposing ruins, which belonged uh, to the people who are gone. Atoi had a song for everything. Though his men did the fighting, Atoi confirmed their efforts by singing the enemy in the blindness and helplessness. He then retired from the world and lives a little old man in a mountain cave. It's Tom York. Tom York is the man in the middle of the maze. (laughs) According to oral histories, the labyrinth designed depicts experiences and choices individuals make in their journey through life. In the middle of the maze, a person finds their dreams and goals. When one reaches the center, the individual has a final opportunity, the very last turn in the design of the maze, to look back upon their choices and the paths they have taken before the sun god greets them, blesses them, and passes them on to the next world. I thought, like... So there's a lot of contradictory shit here, but there's also some stuff if you start assigning labels and names to these figures that starts to make sense. Like the fact that these two men went in to survive a flood, and I think it's super interesting that this central figure, Teddy Flood, you know, um, and they're one, the one, they had a kind of a contest to see who should be the leader. One of them won, but then another person usurped that mm-hmm. and became the leader, and then... Uh, he was killed by the people. Now, I guess I would think that Ar- that Arnold was the chosen leader and that Ford usurped him. But if that doesn't fit what we know of the legend, if from from what we know of the legend, Ford was the leader, Arnold usurped him, and then he was killed by his people, which somehow relates to the, the, the fatal accident at the park mm-hmm. where he was killed 30 years ago. What do you make of any of this? I don't know. I'm or hearing it, it for the first time, so or is it just it's like, all pretty confusing? Is it so I just like I just felt like this would be really awesome to have knowledge going forward to see like how stuff starts to fit into place because right. this is I, I like this is definitely part of the show. Yeah. And as soon as we can appropriately put the labels on who are the figures in this myth and understand how you know Teddy Flood fits into it, I think stuff will start making more sense. Yeah. Yeah, I I wonder where Dolores fits into all this. Well, so, so here's far, the other thing. Teddy is the least sentient, the well, least conscious of all of these robots. Well, well also, so Itori went underground and brought up this race of legendary people. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound like someone going to the subterranean levels and bringing forth all these robots that are standing there dripping naked? Sure. Like, is that yeah. something that's already happened, or is that something that will happen in the future? I don't know. Because that's the other thing is this timeline only makes sense if you kind of like blend stuff we know that happened 30 years ago and stuff that's set up to happen now. Right. Yeah. And I guess uh, some of it, I forget exactly what you read there, but something about killing a bunch of of people with an army and like, right. That's something that Teddy has actually done that we saw this episode, the flashback. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to tie it in, but. Whew, I'm not going to be able to piece it together on the fly right now. Yeah, you see where that got dropped on me like an hour before last week's podcast. I'm like, right. oh, I, I did like Mave. I just locked up on my logic screen. And yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> That's super fascinating and relevant, but fuck me. Yep. 
I wish I had a supercomputer telling me what to say. Uh, all right, let's move on. No, let's not move on. They're they're really stacking shit up on Teddy here. Yeah. This this whole like. Uh, Dolores is is with Wyatt, and we're going to get her, buddy. And now he's gung ho about that mission. Yep. Poor Teddy. Teddy's gonna find nothing at the end of that maze. <laughs> he's gonna get to unless somehow Dolores shows up with Wyatt, like finds her way to Wyatt. Yeah, and I don't that know. That might and happen. The fact that this this flood is such a central feature of the myth that tells me that there's a lot more and i think the show is even saying there's a lot more to teddy than we think meets the eye right now how much of that was just i padded into his brain and how much of that was mm-hmm. i i, I don't, honestly don't know but i think he might be a little there's there's more to him than meets the eye okay so we go back to the lab and felix is trying to explain mave's existential situation to her uh she's having a tough time believing it that she was engineered and built and programmed with all these responses and he shows her the language processing software that she's using, and Man, it just I this locks was, her up. This is so badass. It was. It was like, amazing. This would be a real trip. And I'm like, I was trying to think of like how you'd break that down as a right, like the fact that a person, like I just put myself in Maeve's point of view. If someone handed mm-hmm. me an iPad that was literally putting out the, because because I've had that help experience, but say the words that it showed me. Because sometimes when you you and I have done like podcasting, every once in a while there'll be like a delay. In what we're hearing, like when we used to do this shit remotely, right. that like a, like a half second, I would hear my own words repeated, and it just destroyed all conscious thought. Yeah, like having your, if, if you've ever get a chance to experience, now, like now flip that, right? Yeah, like if, if <laughs> see if, your words before you speak them and be unable to not speak them. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can totally relate to what that would be like. That it, mm-hmm. it every single, even me, like. Puzzling of what to say is being shown in this fucking iPad. Right. And the interface, I think it was just really cool, and it got kind of gave me chills just from, like, a science fiction nerd. Yeah, that was super cool. It's a very Pinocchio realizes he's got strings meth- uh, moment. Right. Uh, so then Bernard goes to tell Teresa. No, what, just one thing. I, I, I looked at the, the final warning screen. And it said, host attempted an illegal behavior. Mm. Now, that's just broad. Like, illegal behavior could mean she tried to write a memory register where she wasn't supposed to. Ran a red light. But when I think um, of illegal behavior, I think of stuff that the host is not allowed to do. Like, right. um, I know, I mean, there's a lot of things. They're not allowed to lie to people. They're not allowed to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what of these illegal behaviors? Uh, do you think she could kill Felix and Sylvester if she wanted to? Uh, yes. Okay. In the same way that Dolores can shoot the gun, even though she's not programmed to. Actually, she's. I just wonder how much of that. To. How much? I wonder how much of that was her bluffing because she never actually did hurt them. She just threatened them with the scalpel. Oh right, but Dolores definitely shot a host. Right, which she is not. She is programmed not to be able to do. The other thing before we move on, because I just mentioned Felix and Sylvester, I wanted to mention this. Uh. What is the significance of the fact that these so Felix and Sylvester are both famous cartoon cats? I don't know. I can't make anything from and, it. And they had the association with Maeve as the bird from the last episode. Now, Sylvester right. and Tweety Bird in the Warner Brothers cartoons, their battles are legendary. And the bird always gets the upper hand. So it could just be like a, a cat and mouse imagery, but like rever- like a cartoon reversal of that. Right. Where Jerry always kicks Tom's ass and Tweety Bird always outsmarts Sylvester, etc. Yeah, and then we also have the story of the Greyhound last episode with Ford, where he talks about the dog catching the cat and eating it, mm. and tearing it apart. Like, 
what do the cats mean? Right. I don't know. Ooh. So then we go over to Bernard. Is Maeve a greyhound? Is that what you're saying? Uh, Maybe. She could probably run as fast as one with (laughs) her robot legs. 40 years ago, we had a uh, greyhound track in the park. (laughs) And it turned out nobody wanted to bet on predetermined robot races. So we repurposed... One so of them Arnold into... got involved. He he put on some robotic legs, and turns out it just ripped him to pieces. That was the incident. I was going to they, too they, fast. They, they refashioned a greyhound into Maeve. Okay, <laughs> right. They transferred the greyhound's consciousness right. into Maeve's body. Took a lot of hammering. Took a lot of you really had to jack that bulk perception up, but we got we got there. Yeah, just jack up her attributes. Let her rebuild herself. Hey, we got 10,000 hours in this Greyhound. We're going to throw that away? Fuck no. <laughs> give give it 50 hours of horror backstory and good to go. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bernard goes to tell Teresa about the transmitter uh, and the rogue hosts, but she beats him to the punch by putting the brakes on the relationship, and he ends up not telling her a damn thing. But then later in the episode, he starts to tell her everything. It's... Is this is this a little too convenient for you? Is this like, um, I'm I'm here to reveal it, uh, but I'm and actually reveal that it's like a double reveal, right? Like Teresa would have had to then. It makes she would have had information. It is coincidental, but it also knows. makes perfect sense with the timeline that we have. That right. Ford kind of threatened her, and here's Bernard coming to her late at night with the powwow session, and her saying. Look, before you start, I need to throw this massive wrench at you. And then that suddenly the rogue robots were not, you know, the thing that he was really giving a shit about talking about. Right. This is where the episode started to feel a little too rote for me, a little too Hmm. predictable. Okay. Um, Because I thought this felt a little cheap. Did you say this was a fishnado level of uh No, no. So this is seven two seven seven three seven not even close. Okay. Uh but it did feel a little cheap, but it also felt totally natural for these two characters. But it just felt like a cheap storytelling mechanic. Huh. Like one character goes to say something and the other character interrupts them and they never get a chance to say the other thing because they're so devastated by the thing the first does, person I mean, said. But that's 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 a real that that does happen. I know, and that's why I say it felt natural for these characters. But okay. I just I was getting a look behind the mask that is the show. All right. And I could see the inner workings of it and it didn't feel right to me. Uh, so, so it's then, not simunitions; it's uh, human relationships for you that does. It. Well, that was the beginning. That was that was one of the nicks. Oh, shit. There are several other nicks in this okay. episode. But uh, Felix gets Maeve to turn turn back on, and she demands to be taken on a tour of the facility. Somehow, this dude decides it's going to be fine and gives her the grand fucking tour. She sees the construction, the training, the design. And finally, she sees herself in a Westeros or Westeros <laughs> Westworld that, welcome video. That would be a, a, a world worth paying for. Yeah, uh, Felix takes her back downstairs and explains that her memories aren't real. When Sylvester walks in and threatens to tell QA about this, but what the fuck, ding puts dong, a knife to his throat. <laughs> yeah. And also, it's nice to know that, however many years in the future, hentai is still a thing. I guess so. Where's yeah. hentai world? Going stronger than ever, probably. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it's in Japan. Uh, of course. Yeah. Tokyo. It's actually all of Japan now. They just turned <laughs> Japan into hentai world. And you can go there for $40,000 a day. Right. right. And all of your dignity. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be tentacle flexible and uh, all of your orifices prepared. Sure. Right. Uh, we see some really cool stuff here, though. Like, 
them constructing a host and then pumping blood into it. Yes, we finally saw the perfusion process I've been right. wondering about. Very cool. And it starts to take on pigmentation. Fuck and... yes, that was very cool. Yeah. We also see a buffalo. I don't know why this was so cool to me. The, but The buffalo and the in, deer just walking around. Yeah, in, in a glass. Well, I think also the fucking music. Yeah. And the fa- like, this would be such a goddamn trip. Like, uh-huh. I mean, this... the. There, I mean, this is right up there with Neo waking up in the pod of the Matrix and having a spider flush him down a drain, essentially. Like, right. th- like as far as like, oh my God, what you thought and what is the actual reality? And again, she's not like a modern person. Yeah, that's she's, what I was wondering about. She's like someone from the 1880s that's gotten plucked out and then shown this. Right. So you got the nope. just what the fuck of your natural world being upended with technology that you can't even conceive of. Right. Does she even understand the concept of electricity at this point? I don't think so. I don't like, think so either. I thought they really banged a point home when she's talking about the moving pictures. You know, like that's something right. that uh, I think were just becoming, like the little Nickelodeons and uh-huh. the whatever they they call Carousel those little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I I thought that was really great how they put us in. You know, just with her reaction, her acting. Uh, they 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 really sold the fact that not only is this a robot real coming to grips with their own reality, but also a robot that's programmed to think that it's a, some kind of old timey settler whore, right? <laughs> you know, and it's like it makes you also wonder like what is the bulk apperception of like a Clementine? Like is she like a seven or an eight? Clementine? Yeah, she's the is other that... the other whore. Oh right. Like if yeah. you brought her, like what would she like? Would she just sit in a corner and gibber and cry? It's like this weird, happy little accident that the Mm -hmm. robot that's just smart enough to kind of roll with these punches is the one that gets, uh, you know, chosen to ascend or evolves the ascension. Or maybe every bot does this eventually, and Felix just happened to get the one that's smart enough to grasp it and not shut down. Right. Uh, At the end of it, she's like, can we, or Felix is like, can we please go back now? And I'm like, man, fuck you. Just, you've got, you've got the pad. Turn right. all her turn all her numbers down and bring her back to cold storage or something like. Well, also I'd like to know because these so the, the again the nature of the robots these people are meat right mm-hmm. but we also know they have some sort of implants they have to get the spinal implant right he taps her head and says what's up here is more powerful than what I've got implying right. like do they have like some kind of positronic brain in there yeah some super we also computer. see a tray yep. full of fake eyeballs being wheeled down is that like for generation one robots or. Do they actually? Yeah, why are would grown they without eyeballs and they popped eyeballs? Replacement eyes, probably. Yeah, they're like because they're video recorder eyes or something. Well, I I just mean like literal like you lose an eye, we're gonna pop another eye in. Ah, uh, because these guys are operating on these things, right? Yeah, but I also think that there's like not only are these just flesh and blood, but they're also like bionic essentially. Yeah. I mean, they're literally cyborgs. I mean, if they, they I know there's kind of, but not really, because Felix says like they're pretty much exactly alike nowadays. Well, a cyborg. I mean, like if you've got uh, your arm blown off in a war and you've got like one of those fancy second gen or third generation, right. that you're a cyborg. Sure. Like yeah. if you got one of those crazy fiber, uh, carbon fiber legs, spring legs, you're a cyborg. So the, right. bar- the barrier to be a cyborg is very low. And if you got something implanted in your spine, then there you go. But. Sure. Um, on are. the other hand, we also saw the one dude bash his brains in, and it looked like brains. And they talked about him decomposing. So when yeah. he says up here is like orders of magnitude more powerful than what I've got, is that just the software, um, or is that like they've got mm. different cranial hardware? 
I I took it as hardware. Um, you I know, want a cross section. It might be it might be biological hardware. I'd like an old school incredible cross section book. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, with for Westworld, and I want to see a Gen One host. And I want to see a, a current gen host. You've like that seen inside super- a gen one host brain. And it was fucking cool. Holy shit. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, Teresa is in a real short scene here talking with uh, via video with someone about something urgent. It's, it's in Chinese. so And she's in her private office. I'm thinking that this is maybe not Delos approved. Maybe not. Or maybe, maybe not. not all factions of Delos approved. Right. And then we go to Lee. Oh, my God, I love these scenes. Lee is drinking by the rooftop pool. Teresa asks him to plug some of the holes in uh, the story that Ford has been creating, but he goes off on this tangent about his just complaining about Ford. Teresa says, look, Ford is going to be replaced eventually if he doesn't pull this off. What exactly is she talking about when she says, pull this off? His new, his new story. Right, but in what in what regard? Like, if he just can't make the story happen or if the the story isn't able to do some good for the park or I think both. Okay. Like step 1 is the story has to be ready at a particular deadline. Step 2 the guests have to come and be like, "Fuck yeah, this is a cool storyline." Right. It's it's kind of like it, like if Matthew Weiner, you know, delivers season 7 of Mad Men, if he never delivers it, AMC's one level of livid and outraged. Yeah. If he delivers it and it turns out to be an all musical, you know, exploration of Don Draper in the 90s and it's commercially panned and all the advertisers pull out, then that's another level of livid. So, I mm-hmm. think he's got to do both. He's got to deliver it and it's got to be something that shores up whatever flagging demographic money problem this this park's got. Right. Um, can I, can I just say, I absolutely love the character of Lee because I love to hate him. He's I, such an asshole and he's so, just so oblivious and just like, ah, oh, I love him so much. Yeah. And he talks like every way he describes stuff the way, like <laughs> you ever read those articles like that are in like airline magazines where they're describing like a city and, like, all the fucking words they use are just unctuous and syrupy and over-the-top and right. hyper-masculine yeah. or hyper-feminine if it's a feminine talk. Mm-hmm. And, like, just the way he's like, oh, I'm just creative flaccid. I took years <laughs> of my life squeezed down into some pulpy, transcendent truth. <laughs> oh, and, is that what the Horoboros is? <laughs> and I love how she just cuts him down instantly. <laughs> it's so beautiful because he's the guy that everybody can shit on, and I love to see them shit on him. And he's st- but I do have a little respect for a guy who can still pump out that kind of uh, $50 verbiage when he's just this shy of being in the bag, you know? Clearly he has a large and flowing vocabulary. Sure. But he also appears to be a bit of a hack when it comes to storytelling. Uh, a bit. Although, uh, to be honest, I would like to see what the Horroboros is all about. But he's also endlessly That's, delightful to just watch as I want, a character. Why, why isn't the Horroboros in Pariah? I don't know. Maybe the Horroboros is in Pariah. Maybe that was the orgy. It's not nearly not enough horrors, not enough Horobus for me. <laughs> The Horoboros. I do eventually want to see the Horoboros. Even if it's just like a mock-up in his office or something. Right. It's because it's it was also in the term like self like in some kind of auto cannibalism, right? Right. So like is that literally like a chain of whores eating each other from the like like the human centipede of whores eating each other? But not like in the fun 
like you yeah. film it and make money kind of way. Like literally like starting at the toes and working your way up. Oh God. I don't yeah. Where do the where do the guests fit into that? Are they just they, in the middle on a watch. chair just watching? Yeah. I don't think they I would chant they just, they just bang their forks and knives on the table and they chant eat, eat is like Maybe he could sell the Horoboros to Hentai World. Maybe he could get them down <laughs> on that. I don't know. Uh so the man in black and Teddy roll up on a camp of Union soldiers and they take the uniforms of two soldiers and try to sneak through the camp, but Teddy gets recognized. And there's basically immediately a shootout, and both of them are taken prisoner. Yep, tried the old Harrison Ford gambit. Yeah, and we don't really know what it's about quite yet. Um, There is some dialogue here that describes it a little bit, but we get the actual flashback later on. Yeah. um, That we can talk about. And then a fairly drunk Lee spots a woman at the bar. I say fairly drunk because also, he yeah, can the other get thing is I want I want to also touch real quickly is that you know we talked about how you can defeat the man in black. Mm-hmm. Zerg rush him. Like he can shoot a lot of fuckers, but oh, yeah. As, yeah. as long as two or three guys can get on him, he's just an average man fighting against three potentially above average strong robots and an old average man. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's, Jackie Chan. He's quickly quickly subdued. Right. Anything else? Nope. Okay, uh, fairly drunk Lee spots a woman at the bar and he goes up to hit on her. During the conversation, he reveals that the robots can go off script and follows. Uh, he calls forward a megalomaniac. The bartender at that point... He's entirely talking too much. He is. He, the bartender cuts him off. He doesn't want to hear this guy anymore. The woman leaves and then Lee grabs a bottle of vodka and storms off. Yep. Uh, leading to a, a glorious, glorious scene later. But uh, anything you want to say there? Mm-mm. Okay. So Elsie tells Bernard that she's getting close to finding out who is smuggling the data. And thanks to it's all thanks to us timestamp location data and sat tracking. Uh, she says she's going to get a promotion. There's something about Mesa Bar access. And she also bags on Teresa, which Bernard is not super happy about. I like Teresa. Or I'm sorry. I like Elsie. Me too. I think her imagination's a little limited. Well, she's never seen the Mesa Bar. She thinks maybe... <laughs> I mean, you're going to save the company from like these eternal sabotage, and you're going to ask for a pay raise, a better room, and unlimited bar access? Yeah. I mean, what would you ask for? I don't know. I mean, it's like the famous story about the guy who invented like chicken McNug- McNuggets, only made a modest salary, or like there's just, you know, it's sure. tons yeah. of times where people made the company millions and millions, if not billions of dollars, and ended up being penniless themselves. Right. Nikola Tesla, for example. Yeah, yeah Alexei Pajitnov invented Tetris. and There you go. Got nothing. There you go. Just got assigned to the gulag. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true, but <laughs> I'll go with it. Yeah, so you, you would ask He's for... Still, still cobbling together Game Boys in Siberia to this day. So instead of asking for the Mesa Bar access, you're just saying, please, no gulag. Just yeah, don't sure. Just don't put me in the cold storage. Sure. I don't know. Try to try to get you work your way up into the executive staff, man. Yeah, take Bernard's job, huh? Ooh, uh, maybe she's gunning for that. There you go. So Bernard asks someone in the control room about the five rogue bots, and she says that there aren't any bots there, and no one has checked into that sector recently, or maybe ever. Who knows? Then Bernard goes into Westworld to investigate for himself, and he finds. Ford's host family. Mm-hmm. Ford shows up and explains that Arnold built these as a gift for him. Then Bernard says this shit goes way beyond the rules, but Ford plays the dead child card to keep him from saying anything. So I want to talk about the theory 
there's a theory right now that Dr. Ford is a host, which may or may not be true, but you and I at this point think the theory is short on legs and long on uh, speculation. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the thing that's been kicking in my brain the last few weeks about the idea that Bernard is a host. Okay. Because, you know, I said the reason it doesn't make sense to me is because he's got this story with his kid and he's I've seen him talk to his wife. But someone pointed out to me in feedback that that when we got we got Bernard's backstory in the episode where we saw Teddy get a new backstory beamed into his head by Ford's iPad, mm-hmm. which is in retrospect suggestive. Also, this is now the third time where Anthony Hop like where Bernard is confronting him about some kind of potential malfeasance. Anthony Hopkins gets a sparkle in his eye. Does his Jedi mind? Well, he doesn't actually do this. This is me editorializing. He does his Jedi mind trick hand wave and says, "Oh, but what about your dead son, uh, Bernard? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that Bernard is a host, and these are some kind of these are ways that that Ford is taking verbal command of him? Because here's the other thing: Doctor Ford says that his family is not a threat to any guest at the park, uh-huh. but his father did in fact threaten Bernard. So that could literally still be true. Of course, you know, Dr. Ford could just be a liar. We kind of know he is. But that could still be literally yeah. true if Bernard's a host. The other thing is Well, that well people... let me address some of this quick before you... But we got one more thing, and oh, then you can, you can tear it apart. Okay. What did you make of... Uh, did you see the people lying out the structural impossibility of Dr. Ford coming out of where Dr. Ford came out of? No. I didn't see anything about Dr. that. Dr. Ford comes out of a non-existent corner. We see Bernard standing where he's standing, and mm-hmm. there's no place for Dr. Ford to be standing. And there's no door. There's no panel. There's no obvious way to get there. And then the camera rotates, and Papa Ford snatches him up by his collar, starts to threaten him. And then Dr. Ford steps out of that impossible corner and freezes everybody. Okay. The only way, like... That would make sense if number. Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways that could make sense. It right. could be a false holographic wall. Right. Uh, but the other thing that people jump onto is that would make sense if Bernard is not supposed to see Ford because he's a host, and Ford until Ford announces himself and kind of puts the kibosh and all the robot uh, hilarity going on, then 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 Bernard can see him. I don't fully th- believe in this theory myself, but it does seem to be the odds are ever increasing that. Someone that we think is a host is going to end up being, or someone we think is a human is going to end up being a host. This episode, when, Fe- when when Maeve asked Felix, well, how do you know you're human? He goes, I just know. I feel like that's the show playing with that concept a little bit. Now, tear it apart. Okay. Uh, people get beat up by hosts all the fucking time. It happened true, in true this enough. episode. True like, There's nothing to say that that guy was actually going to kill Bernard if he didn't leave. You just rough him up. Right. Um, so I, I don't buy the point that... Bernard was in any danger because maybe, maybe not. Okay. Uh, how? So, if you're saying Bernard is some sort of simulant, uh, how do you explain his wife? She's his backstory. None of that actually happened. None of that happened. Yeah. So he's in the the Delos facility talking to who on that screen? No one. That that's a that's an embedded false memory. I mean, at at, at it's that we're being presented. At its most complete. The word being, being presented with as if it were actually happening in that moment. Because they haven't done The other possibility, uh, the other kind of, of potentially mind-blowing possibility is Bernard is actually a version of Arnold. 
that Ford has created because he's a sentimental softy. And that we actually saw Bernard having a conversation with his wife 30 plus years ago. And that's part of the backstory of his robot. Okay. And in, in like I said, I mean, I suppose it's possible, th- th- but any is, of these things I, are possible. Yeah, and I don't want to dwell too much on this because this is shit that is very, very thinly supported. And st- in fact, some of it's supported only by anagrams, which is oh, Jesus, very fucking Harry Potter. But mm-hmm. someone pointed out that now we know Bernard's full name. That one, there's there's several ways that Arnold can be made from those combinations. Arnold, and depending on what sure. Arnold's last name is. Um, again, I, I don't like that. Again, that seems very fucking Harry Potter. Um, having someone be an anagram of someone else, but I'm just throwing it out there because I just thought that basically this started, I started kicking around when I see how specifically Ford uses this, uh, what about your dead son, Bernard thing to kind of like get him off of the scent of whatever he's doing. It doesn't seem like it works really well. And also you could explain it by, Dr. Ford doing the one thing that he knows is a weakness in his assistant. Right. So. Sure. Um, oh, one other thing. Yeah. This also, if, if Bernard is actually a construct of Arnold, it makes some of the conversations that he had with uh, Dolores make a lot more sense. If these, if those conversations we're seeing where Dolores is sitting fully clothed happened 30 years ago. Right. And it's Arnold experimenting with Dolores. And then he gets killed, and now and and Doctor Ford for whatever reason creates a robot and calls it Bernard to to keep Arnold around. That stuff, you know, why isn't she naked? Why is she clothed? Why that stuff makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, I don't know. I pretty much like very, very, very few of the theories I've seen have any kind of real what I would call support for them or evidence or or substantial. Uh, reasons to believe that they're actually true. Yeah, and I, don't, I, I mean they're they're sure fleetingly small. The number of theories I've seen that I would say that's likely. Okay, uh, where are you at? The, none the, of this simulant. None of this like X is host. X is Arnold. Like none of this is actually making a lot of sense yet. Okay, but do you agree that it's very likely that someone that we think is a human is going to turn out to be a robot? No. Really? No. Would I, you say it's fifty-fifty? Would you say it's like one out of ten? I don't have any way to judge that. Okay. Like, it could certainly happen, and I wouldn't be like offended by it. But there's nothing to support it at this point. Yeah, I'm just like, trying to. I don't want to fall into another, you know, f- flat be a flashback denier when increasingly it looks like that is in fact what is happening. Right. The timeline stuff does seem to line up maybe a little more closely with mm-hmm. with the evidence here. Right. Um. So I'm like. I said last episode, I'm starting to give that a little more consideration, but so far I haven't seen anything that tells me anybody's a host that I think is human. I haven't seen anything to tell me who Arnold is yet. Oh, and like I said, I think these are just interesting things in context with other things that we've learned about the show that, Let me ask you this. If Bernard were actually Arnold, he couldn't know that he's Arnold, right? Because he walks into that room and he asks Ford's father, Arnold... Right. Are you Arnold? The other thing is, I think we've seen a picture of that that Ford claimed is Arnold, and it doesn't right. look Looks like Jeffrey like Wright Bernard. at all. But I mean, that would make sense though, too. Now, yeah, it, yeah, that... you can't have both. You can't have Dolores flashbacks thirty years ago talking to Arnold instead of Bernard, and say that Arnold, who worked with Ford, doesn't look anything like Bernard does. 
But you could say, you could divorce those two theories and say Arnold could have looked the one way that Ford knew him, and then he put Arnold's consciousness, I guess, into Bernard. Well, if we want to just if we want to just make this be a thread on Reddit, we could then say, "Aha! Well, an easy explanation would be that Ford created Bernard to be a lab assistant, and that somehow Arnold's code has gone and infected him, and now he's slowly becoming Arnold, and he's right. He's when he has these flashbacks. And your support he, for that is nothing. Oh, great, <laughs> awesome! You get a hundred thousand Reddit no, karma. No, I was gonna say my support is uh, uh, fifteen hundred upvotes. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Fuck off. I don't care about your upvotes. <laughs> All right. Uh, there is a lot of really cool stuff in this scene, though, that is concrete. Um, you know, in, in as much as you believe Ford, that this is his mm. father. Uh, and, you know, his father was an, a Scottish alcoholic, apparently. and Welsh. Anthony Hopkins is Welsh. I no, no, no. I, but his father clearly has a Scottish accent. You sure? Because like, yeah. I feel like Welsh and Scotch are... I'm impri- they, I know I, I'm going moved. to get a million people telling me how wrong I am. But. I wonder if they moved when he was a young, a young child. Maybe so he grew up with a different accent than his. And father. also, maybe Anthony Hopkins isn't Welsh. I'm probably going to get so much hate mail. That's, I don't that's, know. That's fucking tricky business, man. Yeah. To me, his father father sounded Scottish. The one thing we know for sure about his father, alcoholic. Yes, he is. Because he gave him some of his original characteristics, which he says watching him pour a drink. Uh, um, the only thing I and that this kid was in fact Ford. The speculation that has been going around about. Whether or not this this bot is Ford, yeah, it is. He calls him Robert. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. It's, and it's 100% kudos for everyone. He says it's his family. Kudos it's, for everyone to kind of smoke that early on. Yeah, uh, I do want to say, and there was. Let me say that was a pretty good theory because there was evidence. The kid looks like a spit fucking image. But that was stuff that was that was Ford. meta. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. It, when we saw the picture of it's Aunt not meta, Young, it's on the screen. No, but what I'm saying is. Young Anthony Hopkins doesn't particularly look like anything like old Anthony Hopkins. No, but he's he's dressed pretty... exactly like him. Oh, I That's see what, what I'm saying. And he had the English accent and right. all that. Yeah. All right. There was uh, some evidence to support that one. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, shit, you've done distracted me. Oh, Sorry. I want to say that I am a little confused about the state of the art for these fucking robots. Because I thought Gen 1 robots were essentially old Bill. And here I've got Dolores. Now, is Dolores still a Generation 1? Like, will her her face split open? Uh, That's a real good question. And these Generation 1 robots that were hand-built by the creator, they look exactly and are just as cool. And also Maeve, when she rebooted this episode, she made whirring noises. What the fuck? Like, I feel like the show is kind of confused in what they've said Mm-hmm. Is how these robots evolved over time and what they're made of. And, like, I thought that they were following their own rules and maybe I'm just not paying attention. But I'm really confused about the state of the art of robots and what's better and what's worse. Like, it seems like the ro- the meat robots are, in a lot of people's eyes, less advanced, but they're more economical. Right. So what was Wild they're, Bill? Well, they're less So did Old graceful. Bill come from the period before the park was even open? Like, was he literally their first attempt to make a host? Might be so, yeah. Okay. Uh, he was the, the one who passed the Turing, or, yeah, passed the Turing test. Didn't pass. Um, no, it doesn't yeah, he, seem like he did. Because there was, like, a time he said, that, you know, the first, it took us a year before they passed the Turing test, and mm-hmm. then there was another three years before they opened the park, and then... So at some point, Arnold died. Like, that timeline's still muddy, and it seems like they'd made quantum leaps in those first three to four years. And then, really, the only difference between the old clockwork robots and the meat robots are 
ones made of meat and cheaper because they externally look as realistic as the others. So we don't necessarily know that because Ford said he's been maintaining them, so maybe he's been upgrading them as well over the the many years. Maybe his bots are better than the bots they had when they launched the park, and the bots are like old Bill back then. Hmm. I don't know. That seems to be a bit of a stretch. But I don't also want to get into the whole, you know, right. like transmitting versus receiving. Like that that can mean a lot to different people. Yeah, uh, and we don't know that he's been upgrading them, but we do know he's been working on them, certainly. Right. So, I don't know. I, I still don't think it tells us much about that. You're right. Okay. It, it's like still very confusing to me as well. Uh, but, man, that face opening up. That was fucking cool. It's so cool. And it's so real looking, too. I know. Uh, like, my girlfriend couldn't actually even watch that. She, it was such, like, distinct body horror for her. It oh, really? Because like, I, I can't know. I, I actually thought it was really, like, I, I understand why, like, you take Teddy's face off and it's just a fucking, it's just a, you know, gross piece of meat. But that uh-huh. is, like, really, you know, like, you used to be beautiful. That that's I thought it was very almost jewel-like. Yeah. Like a Fabergé egg kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know I could see how that could be unsettling. Yeah. Uh, then we go to what I think is the best scene in the entire episode. Which I'll tell is, you what you don't want is you don't want a whore going down on you and I, and, and oh, and that and suddenly they malfunction and her face splits open. Like that's <laughs> yeah. What did he say to him? I can't <laughs> turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Oh yeah, no. Don't don't want anyone to say that in the Mariposa Inn at <laughs> all. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so in what I think is the best scene, Lee goes into the control room and from the balcony pisses all over the map. <laughs> Just so drunk. Acid rain on Sweetwater. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, Teresa picks this moment to introduce him to Charlotte Hale, the executive director of the board, who also happens to be the woman he was hitting on earlier at the Mesa Bar. Oh, boy. Oh, God. I thought you were it's dead. Bad. I already thought you were dead, Lee. I thought Ford <laughs> chucked you out of the park. Uh, yeah. You are now. Mm-hmm. No way he recovers from this. Uh, Maybe maybe his charm will win the day. Maybe he or, can smooth it over the, a, Unless he's the actually a morning. really, really good writer that they just keep, you know, keep him from being a, a prima donna by constantly shitting on him. Because if he's the hack that they say he is, and get right. him to, like, piss... Right. Yeah, you... you, you, you you can't piss on the map, man. Yeah. You can't piss on the map and call me some Dutch whore. Like, you just can't no, do it. You can't. Uh, but it was amazing to watch. So then we go to Bernard asking the computer for a list of all first-gen hosts still in rotation, and it shows him several, including this Dolores. again blows my mind because I thought there was only five left in the park, and they were the ones Arnold built, and then the robot told him there was 82 first-generation park robots and 47 designed by Arnold. What the fuck? What are you talking about? Yeah, what's wrong with that? Doctor Ford said these were the these were the last five first generation robots built that are still active in the park. Bernard just queried right. the computer and he said, "How many first generation hosts do we have? Eighty two. How many designed by Arnold? Forty seven. Dolores he... was one of those ones. So there's at least six. Well, I thought it was implied. Uh, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm just reading this like design where I want versus to. built, or or like non upgraded. Like, because we know Dolores has seen a lot of upgrades. Um, she's got the new location system. She's got all the the biological stuff going on. Most likely, yeah. Um, That's a good. Do you think the first generation host could bleed? The dog did. Oh, you're right. The dog had blood coming out of its mouth. 
Yeah, but if you shot this kid in the face, like there's no there that that's. I don't know how it works, that, man. Yeah, me either. It, but apparently, it does. Westworld magic. What I want to know, what I think is magic, is how the computer knows whether to respond verbally or visually, right, on the pad because it responds verbally to the first two questions. Right. Third question, it just pulls up a fucking screen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, apparently, Arnold doing the bulk of the work too. Forty-seven out of eighty-two, huh? Oh, there you go. Ford slacking at the end there. It's always, always, always one of the partners pulling pulling more than her share of the weight. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> so the man in black tries to uh, talk his way out of the situation they're in, but it doesn't work. And then Teddy has a flashback to some memories of him and Wyatt killing a bunch of people in the town. Uh, eventually, he and the man in black both manage to get loose, and Teddy uses the Gatling gun to kill everyone. <laughs> Fucking went ham, man. Yeah, he did. Um, I love the flashback because it kind of recontextualizes Teddy. Like, I mean, of course, this could be ambiguously shot, and he was putting down a bunch of uh, sure. Wyatt's men, but boy, it sure looked like he was a Wyatt acolyte. Maybe he got seduced by his uh, brand of apostasy. Well, it's also interesting when you throw in the idea that these memories are possibly just implanted backstory that never actually happened in the park. I mean, he wasn't... He didn't have anything with Wyatt going oh, yeah, on yeah. until Ford put that. I'm not Ford saying that these are that... actually really happened. I'm just saying that his backstory is such that it makes him seem like he was a... Ba- well, 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 what does know... a backstory even mean at that point if it's just implanted? Like It's a backstory. He hasn't done any of these things, right? Ford just put that in him two weeks ago, three yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, but that's not super important to me. Like, you know, what's Indiana Jones' backstory? Like... Who cares? Okay. He was raised by Sean Connery in some kind of Adobe hut, and he had to count Greek backwards when he got pissed. Like, is that real? Right. I mean, the other. <laughs> I mean, the this other. Is, this bots just shows in the weird. Park, no, it's, this is just shows weird, and it's got two layers of. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, like, is if no one of the other robots know his backstory, did it even really happen? I was just trying to get to the point where. You know, we know Teddy's got this deep, dark secret. I always thought it's because mm-hmm. he failed to stop Wyatt when he could have. It may seem like he was aiding and abetting Wyatt, which is a whole whole other kettle of fish. No wonder he doesn't think he deserves Dolores. He's a shit weasel. Right. It's a shit weasel turned traitor coward. Yeah, what? I mean, what does it say about a person if they didn't actually ever do any of these things, Dude, but I, they're implanted memories? I mean, it doesn't say anything about that person at that point. Yeah. I mean, this is very matrixy. How much does it inform his actions? It seems like a significant amount. It says, I'm a killer. I mean, do and we he need goes to get... ham on a Gatlin gun. Sure, sure. Do we need to get Morpheus in here so he can explain, like, what is real? Yeah. Is real what you remember about yourself? And what's real is just whatever fucking organic soups and electricity is swimming around your brain. I suppose so. Also, what do you think about the fact that they're going to brand him with the maze? Is the maze getting a little too front and center for a fucking hidden quest for you? Uh yeah, it's on coffins. Yeah. It's on backgammon tables. They're it's gonna on brand their merch in the lobbies in the <laughs> sure. in the gift shop, the pariah like, gift shop. Yeah, uh, it, it, and the slogan "Come see the maze." What does it mean? <laughs> what the fuck? Westworld. It will amaze you. <laughs> right. Uh, I there. I don't like the fact that like this went from something that was buried under a fucking robot scalp. Yeah. To just literal branding at this point. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It's too much. I don't. I don't know why the show is going that direction with it. 
it's less mysterious now. And I mean, more I guess like, if how an, do people not know? I mean, I guess if it's an Easter egg, you want like you know trail markers in the woods. You want to let the people that are in the know know that they haven't gone off the path, especially when you're hunting for fucking snakes laying its eggs and blood red. So maybe it's that. These are just essentially trail markers to let you know, hey, you're still on the maze track, but damn. Yeah, and if this is part of the religion in-universe, like Uh, inside Westworld, maybe it's not as as blatant. Although Union soldiers branding people with Hopi Indian myth is hard to explain in-universe. Whatever, man. Maybe it'll make sense in the weeks to come. Or maybe this thing will just fall apart under its own weight. (laughs) That's always... Maybe so. That's still on the table, you know. Yeah. Uh, so Elsie calls Bernard to tell him that she thinks someone used the bicameral mind system in the old bots to broadcast to them mm. uh, because there's a relay still working in an abandoned theater. She's she's going to go find those transmitter records. Ah, one of us was pretty smart about uh, talking about the whole reception of broadcast things last, last week. Yeah, but that's not what that device was. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And it also tellingly only works on the old generation hosts. Right. The other ones don't. Obviously, uh, your penis can't receive Wi-Fi. You got to have some clockwork shit in there to do to, to pick up these signals. Is the way I interpreted it. Yeah, and she said she specifically mentions the bicameral mind system as if it were only part of the old bots, which we know Arnold was working on, right? Right. So the new bots don't have that system, I guess. And they've, in fact, this whole system has been shut down. Like they're the the bicameral mind, I guess, used to be literally like you would go into the robot's head and be like, "You got to go milk the cows now," and they would go milk the cows. Yeah. Whereas they've just shut that PA system down. Right. But then someone's reactivated it and there's still some hosts that have the equipment to receive it. Pretty yeah. fascinating. Yep. Also, when she goes to investigate this thing alone and she hangs, I'm just fucking terrified for her. Yeah. I really like Elsie and I know it didn't work for you, but I was on pins <laughs> and needles. I've seen too many horror movies, man. These things. I've seen a lot this too. That's why I was every scared. single one. That's why I was scared, man. I'm desensitized. <laughs> seen too much. Uh, so Ford wants to play catch with his younger self and his dog, but Jock. the dog's dead. The dog's dead real bloody-like, too. Yep. It's bad. Yep. There's no way that was natural causes. Nope. So it looks like someone got massive uh, can- canine cranial damage. Yeah. And then Elsie goes into the theater, and she finds the operational relay under the stage, and she begins accessing the previous user log. She's Mind got- that data, Elsie. Mine it. For all it's worth. She's got the triple flashlight. Is there a reason for dude, the triple flashlight? Dude. Fucking stupid. So yeah. stupid. Why not just make a large flashlight? <laughs> I've seen the like million futuristic. candle power I mean, I flashlights. I thought this was dumb burn when through we paper. first saw it when they're going after the Stargazer robot. But like, I, and I'm kind of curious that no one else picked up on it. But yeah, this is just... Is there any functional improvement of a triple flashlight array as opposed to large flashlight? I don't know. Next Can you time turn go, them on individually, Next time maybe? I'll go camping, I'll get three mag lights and I'll duct tape them together and I'll let you know. Well, that's the bonus. You can because turn the them on is, individually. If there was, I would think you would want them in a triangular formation. Right. Like, what's the fucking linear thing? Seems, I don't I don't know. Stack them up? I don't know. Easier? It just seems it seemed it seemed uh we need a we we can't have these guys running around without future flashlights. Right. So, I think that's a mistake, but but what what do I know? Eh, whatever. Uh, so, Bernard shows up at Teresa's apartment to tell her about Ford's host family. Elsie calls him and tells him that Teresa was the one stealing the data. Uh-oh. And there's something larger going on as well, which she never gets around to telling him exactly what it is. Uh, 
keep moving? Yep. Okay. Roll Felix it. shows Maeve her attribute matrix, and apparently her bulk at perception is at 14. She decides, I want to make some changes, and then Sylvester's like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. That's bullshit. But Maeve threaten, threatens him by revealing that he is a necro pimp. Mm-hmm. Apparently, well, is there anyone in this facility who is not fucking pimp. the merchandise? <laughs> I bet you know anyone. Bernard, you're familiar with the concept of real dolls, uh-huh. this company that makes very realistic silicone articulated sex dolls. They're like eight thousand dollars a piece. Uh huh. Um, you think every one of those has been fucked in the factory before it gets to you? No, no. <laughs> but I guarantee a robot. Uh, one of them things has been taken for a test drive illicitly. Oh, certainly. Several times in the company's history. But enough that a pimp can make a good living on the side off it? <sighs> yeah, probably. Okay. If you had a way that, you're, like... You're probably not wrong. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> people fuck... I mean, sex is one of our base drives, man. Gotta have it. Yeah. Gotta true. fucking have it. That's true. Uh, shout out to all the asexuals out there. You're the lucky ones, because mm, <laughs> if you can yeah. throw off the mad master... It, one less uh, thing to worry about. Yeah. Um... But anyway, I I guess it's also the, the the idea is that Felix told her about Sylvester's plot because the other thing is that she happened to be serviced by the biggest pervs in the park, you know? Like Oh, I thought maybe she had first hand experience, if you know what I mean. Oh, that she's recovering her memories. Ah right. ha. All right, I didn't put that together. That that actually might be possible. Okay. Uh Bernard calls Elsie back and she explains that someone else has also been using the system to retask older hosts. She says some of the changes are to the prime directives and that it appears Arnold is the one making the changes. Very as far prolific as she can tell. programmer for a dead man. He is. Uh and she also says, I'm gonna transfer some data to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mm. Arnold's Arnold's running around the park with the tablet and reprogramming bots. Someone who's saying there, Arnold, is Arnold's up in space on a satellite, Maybe riding Teresa's it around. Arnold. Teresa's Arnold. Maybe Lee's could be. Arnold. Teresa could be Arnold. If she's a host, why not? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe Arnold transitioned. That's the big fight he had Actually, before. Actually, yeah. You in know, the future, I'm sure the... Like, yeah, in the, in the, in the, in the future, we, we, had a, we had a vicious turn that, like, all the social progress got rolled back and... Uh, you know, like in the in the twenty one twenties, we went back to straight nineteen fifties attitudes about Arnold's everything. hiding, hiding yep. in plain sight. Had to go run back Teresa. into the they had to run back into the. I don't even know. It's not even called the what do you, what do you call? It's not the closet. That's when when homosexuals won't come out. What the do you shadows? Call it? I don't know. The shadow. They lurk. Yeah, that's what transsex people do. They lurk in the shadows, Just staying out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> underneath their when they come out from underneath their rock. Um, no, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, oh, the term for coming out as a transsexual. Yeah, I guess it'd just be coming out, or I don't know. I, I, is, I don't know. There, is there a term of art for that? Couldn't tell you. Whatever. I thought you meant hiding that the is, true identity. That is a hundred percent, fifteen hundred upvotes approved theory that Arnold's actually <laughs> Teresa. Right. Uh, then Ford questions little boy Ford. And this is very confusing. And he finds out that he killed the dog because Arnold's voice told him to do it. Holy shit. So uh, we know that he's one of the first generation bots. We know that this relay is operational. He's getting messages from Arnold. Arnold potentially is the one sending them according to Elsie. Where is Arnold? I don't know, man, but I thought the scene was super effective and tense because, like, for the first time, you start realizing that Ford doesn't even know what the fuck is going on. Right. 
Right, which that's is what I'm saying. Like, I think this 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 is the biggest revelation of the episode because it's mm-hmm. something that we've been flirting with the idea that he. But this is pretty much proof that not only does Ford not know what the hell is going on, but Arnold is almost taunting him. Like, there's a is this a warning? Is this a threat? Right. Uh, it it could definitely be a message directed at him. I mean, like you're like are you're the Greyhound and right. you don't know what to do with what you've got, and now you need to be put down. Like maybe. I mean, I guess that's the darkest way you can interpret in, interpret it, right? Yeah, I think that it's also ominous that a bot is saying if something was dead, it couldn't hurt anything anymore, and the voices are telling him to kill things. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty ominous for the guests of Westworld. <laughs> that's pretty ominous when the, the guests do it, when the hosts mm-hmm. do it, double so, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's a super interesting scene. Man, the framing of this shot where they've done a lot of reflections with Ford when he's been philosophical. Philoso- Philosophizing? Philosophizing. Thank you. Um, But this shot of Ford talking to his younger version and the uh, younger version is superimposed over the glass. So you actually see him. Did you notice that in the Uh -uh. shot? No. Oh, man. He was sitting behind his glass panel and you could see the little boy reflected over him. So it's Dr. (laughs) Ford sitting, but you could see the reflection of the little boy inside him. Mm -hmm. Fucking (laughs) choice. When when the camera angle hits the scene just, just, just right. So then we go back to Elsie, who continues to examine the data and finds something else. Something else is going on here that makes her say, oh, shit. But then yeah, something... Yeah, what the fuck? Oh, shit. <laughs> right. And I'm like, it <laughs> you know, and... I, I, I tried to see what she was looking at, and I couldn't tell. And then okay. I went to Reddit to see if anyone has blown up and image enhanced, and no one has. And All right. frustrating. Uh, but then something behind her makes a noise in the most tropey horror sense of of the scene ever, and she's grabbed. She's grabbed, and the dude looked. Uh, did you notice? It looked like he's wearing like an Archer style tactical turtleneck. Yeah, a uh, very modern. It's, it's Arnold. It, it's got to be Arnold. It? Yeah. Well, what I'm what I'm getting at is it's not, it didn't look like an old timey robot. It's it's host version Luke Hemsworth. He's yeah. There. I, I kind of thought it did look a little bit like uh, Stubbs. Stubbs. Is, yeah, he's got some meaty arms. Stubbs Crockett looked like some meaty arms. Maybe it's the Stubbs. Uh, I don't know. I don't have much else to say about that other than some huge revelation to Elsie, and we are not privy to that information. Nope, nope. And then in the final scene, the mechanics noticed that someone with a fuck ton of privileges has already altered her attributes. Maeve's like, nah, let's just keep jacking with him. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, let's crank my bulk app perception up to 20. And then the fucking bass drops. Yeah. So you know shit has just gotten real. Right. <laughs> The bass drops right on her booty, and it swivels up, and she is having an out-of-body experience. Like, she is just the, you know, the, the monolith has just dropped. Um, yep. Yeah. What does that mean when they're, like, if their maximum is 20, what the fuck does that, like, I don't... Is what it is super human, human level? Yeah, what I'm saying. Is like, it... what is an average human? Like, 14, pretty smart. Like, that was her bulk app perception for pretty smart for a, yeah, but a not whore too manager. Smart. Yep. Not too smart. So, like, what is that a logarithmic scale? So maybe we should say what app perception actually is for people right. who don't know it. Because I assume that is. was a term that the show made up. But it, much no. like the bicameral mind, it's something that they've hijacked from pop psychology. Well, not even pop psychology. I guess academic psychology and uh, it's essentially neurology. A, like taking taking new information and assimilating new ideas into your current worldview or your you know how people bitch about iq and how like it's a very limited way to tell how perceptive or intelligent someone is and there's like there's different types of intelligence like bulk apperception is an attempt to lasso all those things together and try to come up with a way to say how 
quick on the uptake someone is. Right. How quickly they can connect ideas and process new information. And, and integrate yeah, most mostly like integrate new information into their existing idea structure. Right. And kind of have it all click. Right. And she's just been maxed out on it. So Well, and that's the thing about artificial intelligence. Like we talked I don't think we talked about this since the preview podcast, but like some of my favorite articles that are kind of doom and gloom about AI. The caution is like, you know, we tend to think of advanced artificial intelligence like data from Star Trek. He's just a really, really smart person. Uh-huh. Um, but it's very unlikely that an artificial intelligence would have anything like what you would call a human aspect to it. Hmm. You would just as well envision what a super intelligent spider would be like or what a super intelligent praying mantis or a super intelligent shark. Uh, I'm like, thinking pipe, maybe a hat, maybe a <laughs> English accent, perhaps. Yeah, sure. Sitting back reading a book uh, in low light campfire setting. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> with with eight legs, I mean, it can be doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's got a deer stalker cap. It's smoking mm-hmm. a pipe, and you know that's a smart fucking spider. It's more smart ass spider. But you know what I'm saying? Like the the alien. Like, and there's someone else. I I uh, there was commenting on a Reddit thread, and he said that uh, like advanced artificial intelligence is possibly the closest we'll ever get to meeting an alien intelligence. Right. Because, you know, so much of what makes us human is everything that our hardware is based on and the way we've evolved and our, you know, emotional states and stuff that, have, you know, unless you designed a intelligence to have, it's not going to have it. So right. I thought there was a little chill run through me when Maeve makes a statement about how much fun they're going to have because, I mean, it'd be – I. It's mostly that I think that they're going to make Maeve out to be your essential, just very smart supervillain. Mm-hmm. It seems like she's headed. Yeah. But it would be really exciting if she's just, like, more like Cthulhu. Like, you can't even perceive the shit that she's doing. It's so Yeah, how do you convey that? Like, I don't... They, yeah, that's on the a thing, TV is how, screen to human beings. How like, do you convey a truly alien intelligence? Yeah. I mean, like, H.P. Lovecraft does it, but it's, like, very mm-hmm. mysterious and ooky and spooky and drives people crazy. Uh, so I, I don't know, but uh. yeah, it's interesting when you talk about AI, cause I imagine like anything we create is going to be kind of created in our image for the most part. So like, is that how the AI would actually evolve to be truly alien, to be AI like, or would it be AI? See, that's, I guess human like AI. If I back up, I take it as a matter of faith and I mean that quite literally, uh, cause I have no imper that, that. Artificial intelligence will be something that evolves from a system rather than is consciously – like I'm, I'm sure the consciousness is we're trying to make an intelligence here. Right. But it's going to be somewhat of a surprise to the researchers when they finally find, get it. So It's interesting. So we, like, I don't think I – don't, I don't know. It, I don't think it's necessarily possible to make something in our image when we don't even understand the image that we're making it towards. Right. Okay. And, and in this park, certainly um, – the the intelligence that the bots manifest up to this point, you know, before consciousness and they really start going off their loops, mm-hmm. is absolutely in the image of, of human beings because right. that's what they're trying to do. But also something is unique about Maeve because I bet they've they've jacked up a robot's bulk app perception at 20 before and they didn't fucking start ascending to the astral plane, you know? Right. So there's some special sauce about Maeve and her software has gotten to this point and the fact that now just jacking up the perception is going to do something crazy well we know that app perception i should say so how old do you think mave is as far as the bots go 
She's got to be first gen, right? She's oh, well, yeah, you'd think so. But except for well, she's not hearing the these thing. voices the same way that Dolores is. Dolores might have infected her, right? So yeah, she could be a current gen robot that got infected through some kind of backdoor thing, like right. the, the the violent delights meet violent ends. Um, so I don't know. The jury's still out. We know she's at least a year old. Okay. Um, we know that in some time, I mean, that's the thing because people are like, oh, what do we make of the fact that Maeve met the men in black in her past? Well, well that doesn't tell us anything until, as far as yeah. we know, up till a year ago, she was living a frontier housewife with her little girl and the right. man in black didn't look like, you know, he could have, that could have been last year when he was on his vacation and he was fucking around with Maeve. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing we can really tell about the t- timeline from that. It's true. So I have no idea. I, I don't, I know that she's at least a year old. I have no idea how old she may be. Uh, so the one thing that I think works all right um, with these these mechanics, and specifically Felix, is I do buy his motivation. They did enough to set up like he wants to he wants to be more than just the guy who repairs these bots. Yeah, he's messing with the behavioral stuff of this bird. He's trying to understand how it works a little better. I would, and, and also the fact that I think he's got some kind of. I mean, Maeve is also like like he's very awkward and the mm-hmm. fact that this very attractive robot is kind of um, manipulating him on the level of a teenage boy right. kind of works for me too okay like he knows this is stupid but mm-hmm. also he's got a very fantastically beautiful naked woman who's holding his hand and looking at him and batting her eyelid i mean i, I but i also think that i buy him more than sylvester because felix seems like the right amount of curiosity stupid and 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 easily impression that someone like mave could just make putty in her hands right sylvester he's a little more strong-willed yeah Uh, he's a little more incredulous of all this shit he like the fact that he doesn't just shut this down immediately i mean it's surprising they're they're putting a lot of uh like a dandy newton is is carrying a lot of water for the show by making this essentially very strong horror um motivational speech to him like I'm gonna tell you what I tell my girls at Sweetwater Inn or whatever, Mariposa right. Inn. Yeah, like you have to buy absolutely that in that moment she is just fucking dominating him. Right, and I kind of do, but it's pretty much hanging by a thread, and I can see where it a is, guy like yeah. you would be like, "No, fuck this shit." I, I like you're saying what I would do if I was Felix. I would submit yeah, I, that you would not be Felix, and you would not even be in that situation. That's fair. So. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't. Right. I would not, and I wouldn't be a necro pimp either. Right, so uh, keep saying necro because I well because they I guess they're I'm dead. connecting yeah, it with yeah, okay, the guy okay. before I get yeah I guess if they're in the shop they're by definition quote unquote dead so. right uh, anyway that's the end of the episode do we have feedback to get to oh oh you would you'd be surprised I wouldn't actually uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see the messages come in there's a lot of them. But before we get into feedback, just remind everyone to go to SaveThatBaldMove.com. Check out our pitch. Uh, if there's anything you can do to help us out, uh, we would really appreciate it because the reality is uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you want to see it coming, we got to have everybody that can help us out. SaveThatBaldMove.com so we can keep on keeping on. Westworld at BaldMove.com is how you uh, give it to us and also on our forums, forums.BaldMove.com. First up, Nathan V., I uh, want to give my two cents about the multiple timelines. You mentioned the idea that Lawrence and El Lazo could be an example of proof for this theory because he was off doing his thing with the man in black. However, I was rewatching episode four and I noticed that when the man in black starts talking about uh, that he has read every page, but the last Lawrence says that they should give up on their quest and head to Pariah where his friends could help him out. 
Additionally, when the man in black finds Lawrence is being he is being hanged for being a dangerous criminal, something El Lazo is definitely guilty of. These lead me to believe that Lawrence, a.k.a. El Lazo, is the real storyline that should have ended when he was hung and would have repeated if the man in black hadn't stopped it. The yeah. control room also mentions that the man in black is deviating, but they gave him a pass because he's a VIP allowing his quest to be stalled. You mentioned that the idea that the day and night had passed gives him time to recycle Lawrence, and I agree. Once they do recycle him, uh, the man in black is done. He could go back to his storyline of being a Lazo. Furthermore, the guy escorting William and Logan probably doesn't know that El Lazo is off his loop. The man in black probably would have been drawn to places like Pariah in the past and therefore would have known Lawrence well. Timeline is awful convenient, but I wouldn't be too upset if they do eventually show that there is only one timeline. Um, so I thought this was a fairly elegant way to exist to, to bring in information we already know, the fact that maybe what... Stubbs was giving permission is for the man in black to essentially make off with the guy who moves forward the whole pariah plot line. Well, he's the VIP, let him go. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he's dead, get him cleaned back up and back so he can. So what I'm saying is I think this is an explanation for how it could still be one timeline and not multiple timelines, even though I was saying that the El Lazo Lawrence was pretty definitive of being multiple. I, again, not right, multiple could... timelines, the whole flashback. Yeah, yeah. Time phases or whatever you want to call them. Sure, I remember that conversation. Um, you, you could also say what we find out here is that Ford is just causing a lot of disruption mm-hmm. and that maybe Lawrence gets overlooked simply because of that. Like, Yeah, I just... Ford's just fucking with This is such a massive storyline with all the wars and like the fact that Teddy just killed like 50 dudes. Like, Right. <laughs> this does seem like a premium type feature that I would think would not be something that falls down you know, in the crack, but... Yeah, maybe. Uh, Gerard from Cali says, you guys spend a lot of time on the 105 Contrapasso podcast discussing the nature of conversations. Uh, I'm not sure that this isn't new, but I'm convinced that those VR rooms that you mentioned are tanks are being used for these conversations with androids that are still alive and on location at the park, but sleeping. The cleanup crews, including in-world crews of hosts, pick up the dead ones and bring them back in. But I'd argue that the park is so expansive that it'd be impossible to yank Dolores for even a quick conversation without the guests she's accompanying noticing. So what he's getting at is it actually makes a lot of sense if you want to interrogate a robot to mm-hmm. not do it in person, to do it virtually. Right. Um, which they since it seems like all the robots are in some kind of wireless contact and constantly monitored, you should be able to do that. Have um, they ever... So I, yeah, I just, I guess I don't He's know why saying, build Westworld if VR is that freaking good. Like, well, but it's very limited. They're like, it, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be satisfying to have sex with the robot, but you can have a conversation. And also here's the other thing. It wouldn't. Why not? Here's the other thing is like, well, because it just doesn't. Is it like a holodeck or is it just like. That's what I'm saying. An, an image. Because the see. other thing is if I, if I want to go one further and say. This could be that Bernard's just interrogating her through typing on an uh, iPad, and this is her bicameral mind's perception of what is happening to her. She sees her sitting in her, uh, sees herself sitting in a featureless room talking to this person. In reality, she's quote unquote asleep, and mm-hmm. Bernard is, is synced up with her host and going through her profile. Yeah, it could be. Sure. So, and that would also explain why she's naked in some scenes because that's when she literally is being hijacked and taken into the lab, and she's clothed in others because this is just a simulation of or what she's perceiving happening to her. Well, in this interrogation. I mean, there's a difference there because 
when she's naked, she's in the lab, like the full-blown lab. When she's clothed, she's always in a private room, right? Right. So I feel like those one-on-one sessions, whether they're VR or not, are not sanctioned. I mean, obviously. Right. And and if, you know, when it is a sanctioned thing that's happening, then she has to be naked. Ah. Uh, I also want to give credit to Joanna Robinson on Decoding Westworld, the podcast she's doing with Dave Chin. Yeah. Uh, that this that the idea that Bernard is a host is something that she's kind of championing. And a lot of thoughts that I was giving okay. were stuff that I got from their podcast. I don't see it. I don't see it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll probably be proven wrong here in the coming weeks. Well, I mean, but the thing is, is like you might be, but it's that's the thing about these internet points is like some of it. My just, personal identity is not wrapped up in this. Right. I don't like need if, to be it, right. It doesn't mean that you are wrong. It just necessary. It just means that you, you know, like uh, it's it's a mil- some of this is a million monkeys type of thing. Like. Right. Somewhere, like, yeah. I remember somewhere, like, in season four, someone predicted the end of Breaking Bad. Right. That doesn't mean you're fucking clairvoyant. It just means out of the millions of people having discussion, one person had the pretty much right idea of how it was going to end. So. Sure. Um, Elvin, or Ivand CL says, an anagram of Dolores Abernathy is Arnold a bot heresy. Uh, just saying. Ah, uh, oh, the anagrams uh, have begun. Arnold the Bot Heresy, huh? Uh-huh. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. Or Arnold bought a heresy. Either way. Daniel Bot in, Arnold a heresy. Uh, heresy Arnold a bot. <laughs> Did harass a bot Arnold heresy. Harass a bot Arnoldy. That's my that's my <laughs> porn name. I don't know. It's your Westworld porn name. Yeah, when you're just a robot harasser. That's that's my necro. If you harass name. a robot, are you harassing at all? <laughs> uh, Daniel M says, "Hey, I'm a redditor. His username is Castagear on Reddit. I want to add two cents in your discussion about the fortune teller. We don't accept Reddit theories here. Sorry, <laughs> we will not traffic we just, in Reddit. We steal theories. them and repackage them as our own." <laughs> You mentioned that Dolores could have been the fortune teller in a previous role, but Nolan pretty much confirms that she's been in her Dolores role for the whole run of the park. She seems to be pretty unique in that aspect. So this is from a Hollywood Reporter Hmm. interview. Um, And it says, Dolores has been the girl next door with aspirations to travel and see the world and escape her modest little loop for going on 35 years. Wow. To us, that enhances the horror of her situation. Now... What's interesting about the Nolan interviews is he says shit like this, but also he says other things where he thinks that Westworld might have been around for 50-plus years, which doesn't what? seem... I, I know, like, I don't know if that's just him blowing smoke because it In seems to me form? that the timeline has been pretty fucking set. Right. That Westworld is no more than 35 years old and has been operating for about 30 years after uh, after uh, Arnold died. Right. Which was either very soon after the opening of the park or even right before it. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. But, uh, but he says this, she's been going on a modest little loop for going on 35 years, which does match up with the 34 years ago Arnold being killed. Right. So I just want to mention that. Vince P said, want to hear your thoughts on a potential connection of some characters and their names. Uh, we talked about Teddy. Is Flood. this Arnold about heresy? No. No. Is that his name? Uh, I think this stuff is pretty cool. You might think it's dumb, but no, um, I probably I, I'm will. the one reading the feedback. So, uh, For example, Teddy Flood. Teddy is short for Theodore, which translates to God-given in Greek. Is God-given Flood significant? My thought is yes, especially mm. if you remix this with the Eatori, Eatori, or whatever myth I probably just butchered. 
Uh, in episode three, when Dolores tells Teddy she wants to leave, Teddy tells her, there's a place I've heard about down south where the mountains meet the sea. They say the water's so pure that it'll wash the past clean off you. In conjunction with the flooding we saw down in cold storage in episode one, I bet this is significant in the aftermath of whatever thing is going on with Arnold. Interesting. She's not wrong about that. I've seen maps of of the area. Is there actually there a sea, is a down sea south? nearby? Yeah, really. It's like southwest, but yeah. Hmm. Another uh, name that comes to mind is Hector Eschaton, which translates in Greek to holder of the final event in the divine plan. Wow! Holy shit! That's a so, serious name. There you go. Um, j- no, but no anagrams. Jill G, okay. is it coincidental that a company that owns or runs Westworld is Del- Delos and our robot protagonist is named Dolores? I feel like there's a connection here, but I don't know what. I mm. Do you think that there's Delos, Dolores? Is that, like, to me, that's like... No. <laughs> Sorry. What do you, I mean... I can't help you on these name theories. They're okay. all just, they're... I, uh, water we'll, on a duck's back to me. We'll, we'll move on. David C. feels that Ford is like the AI from I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Are you familiar with that short story or the video game? Uh, no, no. Well, yes, but no. I haven't played it. It's about an artificial intelligence that um, winds up hating the the humans that are under its charge and okay. decides to bend its life towards tormenting them. Like, okay. just keeping them alive as long as it can to torment them because it has no other outlet for its emotional pain. Hmm. Um, so he says that Ford is like this AI character. He hates Dolores for whatever happened in the first timeline. All the improvements to host since the beginning may stem from Ford just developing new ways for Dolores to feel tormented, which is why the men in black called out anguish as the best implemented emotion and also why Ford stuck her in a 30-year rape loop. Holy shit, that's dark. Um Mm-hmm. We do know that Ford has a lot of emotion towards this Dolores character. Maybe some betrayal. Maybe he's angry that she was complicit in the death of Arnold. Maybe she didn't do what she was supposed to do. Do you buy that he has got a personal grudge and he's made her life living hell for 30 plus years? Could be. Could be. All right. Moving on. I mean, I don't. <laughs> where's he going with that? I don't know. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. Yeah. Um, James K, listening to your podcast and you're discussing why there isn't a jizz cleaning robot to clean out the host after each use. Yeah. Why can't the host be programmed to just clean themselves? You know, like actual no. people do. No. Albeit with more precision and tools, chemical showers, robo douches, etc. Oh, yeah. Every host has a gallon of hydrogen peroxide inside them that mm-hmm. they can just flood out all their orifices at a moment's notice. They um, also shoot it out their eyes like a. I don't Reptile. know. Honestly, this show f- for dealing with robots features a shockingly lack of automation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. other than the robots building robots in the very beginning, like they have people doing surgery on these things. That seems ridiculous. You'd think you'd, the robot could just do it itself. Right. Like, turn, um, turn its, I don't know, its, it's shaky hands to zero and yeah. have it go to town. Like, it's like maybe it can't get to its back area. Turn like, its house number up to 20. And... I would expect it to at least be able to repair itself to the level of, like, an Arnold Schwarzenegger out of Terminator, right? Yeah. Like, he needed help with his back because he can't reach it, but if he needs to pull bullets out of him, he can do that all day long. Yeah, it is bizarre. I don't know. Um, I almost Maybe it's like... more expensive to keep these things running than to employ humans. I mean, that's the only thing yeah. I can think. Well, and also... That, that makes th- sense. The thing we learned about Felix and Sylvester is they're, like, lower class. Right. Uh, they can't afford the park that they're working at, which uh-huh. is kind of funny. Uh, they're like the guys pushing the brooms at Walt Disney World. Like, I bet they don't go to Walt Disney World very often. It's too expensive. Right. 
Uh, Nick from Dallas wants our thoughts on something. I've read a lot of science fiction and watched several films about robotics and how they relate to humanity, and I thought I would really be into this show as a result. But I find myself consistently thinking that I already know how this story will ultimately end, and therefore I'm not as excited. My assumption Mm -hmm. is that the situation is like this, a park or enclosure setting. You can only have one or two outcomes. The subject or subjects get out or they don't. In this case, I see Westworld ending with either the robots being stopped and the park shutting down, or one of them managed to escape and attain a moment of accomplishment. Because I believe this is how the show must end, I find myself noticeably not as enthused as when I first started. I wonder your thoughts, because I know um, this isn't really a question, but more of a presumption. The only thing I can think of being kind of trippy would be the staff running Westworld are themselves robots, and getting out isn't really getting out, but I think that may be a little bit too meta. Yeah, so, I mean, I think you're artificially limiting the possible outcomes here. I mean, if it's all, if you just take the show on the face of it, yeah, I would agree. Like, the bots are either going to succeed or fail. Right. Um, but I, I don't think necessarily we have all the information to determine even what the show is about yet. Plus, I mean... Don't you want to see which one? <laughs> don't you want to see if you're right? I mean, I remember thinking, like, how could this be more than a season? And they've said they've got a plot for five. Like, right. that blows my fucking mind. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, everything about this show so far has been relentlessly watchable. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they keep stringing this out. Or, I mean, stringing it out is kind of pejorative, right? Sure. How yeah. they keep blowing our minds. Mm-hmm. But if they say they can, and so far they're doing it, like... I mean, don't let the fucking destination get in the way of the enjoyment of the journey. The imagined destination, even. Like, right. We don't know what the destination is yet. So Right. Like, are you not entertained of this week of Westworld? <laughs> right. If so, then f- fine. You have my permission to stop watching. Mm-hmm. If you're liking it, but then like, oh, man, I just can't see how this is going to be in- anything interesting or cool, then, uh, you know, you're you're letting your preconceptions fuck with you, man. Right. So... Uh, I know that's a load for me because I have, I mean, I, I know I've, I've been accused of, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people specifically with Lost accused me of not enjoying the journey because I was fixated on a destination. So, you know, your mileage may vary, but that that's that's my thoughts on it. Uh, Dr. No said the man in black did, in fact, transfuse Teddy uh, and he did not make him drink uh, Lawrence's blood. If you notice, Teddy's arm is bandaged when he awakes Right at the ancubital fossa, where oh. one would do like that. That's a anatomy term mm. for the big, big artery in, in one's arm. Uh, the man in black would have needed a tube and a hollow needle. This implies he keeps such in a saddlebag and that he's been in that situation before. So I didn't notice that, but I guess there was... I, I actually got three emails from people with various levels of medical techno, uh, technical know-how saying that they had the telltale bandage that shows that he had a massive infusion of blood. So definitely not drinking it. Yeah. Still would like to see this transfusion process. And also, how does it work? Like, when a robot gets too low on blood, like, are they literally just like us? This is a human body that just was created in a lab out of sky. I mean... Yeah. Maybe... What if you drained all their blood? Did they revert to the the white goo guys? Yeah, and at what point can Dr. Ford no longer give you a pep talk where you overcome it? Right. You know, because Teddy's on death's door, and now, like, he still looks bad, but... Mm -hmm. He fucking killed 50 dudes with a minigun. He did. So he's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Also, the other thing I'm wondering is, you know, we have to eat somewhere between, depending on how big and tall you are, 1,500 to 3,000 calories a day just to maintain our basic metabolic functions. What are these robots eating? Milk. Milk. <laughs> 
They're all drinking They're milk. They're growing boys. They there you are. Go. Uh, I don't know that milk has enough calories to keep them going, man. Milk. Do they eat? Do they shit? Like, do they? I mean, they if they're if they're biological, they kind of have to. No, I get the that's part... the cleansing process of the body. You need to do those things. You have to take in energy, and you have to excrete waste. Now they don't have to maintain any particular body temperature, other than for the, for the I guess the the realistic wear. feeling of the you know you don't want to have a room temperature oh, right Ew. Uh, penis Ooh. or vagina to interact with or a like a cold one. Oof, yeah. Like a reptile, you yeah. Just stick it in a freezer for twenty minutes. Maybe they then... lay out in the sun. Maybe all the whores Ooh. take a sun bath before they come in. I don't. I don't... <laughs> right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. They don't have to maintain a body temperature. They don't have to regenerate their cellular structure. I imagine mm. there's a lot of our metabolism is wasted on heat and the fact that we're constantly repairing ourselves. But still, a couple of glasses of milk, get it done. There, maybe so. Yeah. Um. Gan wrote in, something I found interesting to note about Westworld is the price is not set at $40,000 per day. There's actually a tier of packages. If you look at the Westworld's alternative reality website slash game, it says standard package price is $40,000 per day. Every stay at Westworld covers everything you could ever need. Upon interest to park, you will have a private cons- consultation with other state-of-the-art wardroom showrooms. It is here that you will choose the two most important elements of your trip, your hat and your weapon. Oh, Jesus. Your hat. How about your boots? Your hat. I think my boots are way more important than my fucking hat. But whatever. Uh, Yeah, they are. More than a garment, your choice is a code, a statement of uh, purpose while in the park, and the tool you choose will be the means by which you make your mark on the new world. Um, There's all. What about that purple hat I saw hanging up there? Huh. That's 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 just Prince's personal hat. Yeah. Yep. Uh, R.I.P. Rest in Prince. Uh, (laughs) Silver package price seventy five k a day. This isn't your first rodeo here at Westworld. You're ready to bypass standard gameplay in the park, and we can help you reach the deeper narratives faster. Whether you're a white hat itching to join the bounty hunt of the decade or a black hat looking for more mischievous opportunities in Pariah. What about the brown hats? The brown I, the brown hats? Are they included? Do they give an example of brown hat usage? You know, we smacked down a listener that had the brown hat theory, <sighs> and maybe it's, it's true. Uh, anyway, the silver package equips you, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, gold package, 200000 a day. For more advanced guests, painting for the hidden gems in Westworld can take time, and our gold package offers access to secret paths that lead straight to the outer fringes of the park. Pay to win. Yeah. Red, the, the Reddit r slash Westworld, the game, would just be in flames over this policy. <laughs> uh, these narratives are not for the faint of heart. Come unprepared, and you may find yourself blinded by the halo of righteousness or pulled deeper into the allure of darkness. All amenities in the lower tiers are available to you, along with an arsenal of hosts and tools to unlock levels you never knew existed. Okay. So, first of all, this ARG kind of plays hell with the concept of this um, pariah being an Easter egg, if they're bragging about it in a silver package. Hmm. It doesn't make it any easier to get to, but, you know, is it something that, like, if you're on the budget path, you would have to accidentally stumble on it. Um, why would an executive that's thinking about investing in a park be on the cheap path? Is this something that they, you know, if we grant a two parallel storyline structure that they didn't do in, the, in 30 years ago and they've changed their pricing tier in, in the future? I don't know. Maybe, are you specifically referring to like William and, and Logan's path yeah. at the moment? Maybe they haven't paid for the for the deluxe package or whatever right. it is, but 
you know, they stumbled upon it and that's he recognizes saying. it for what it is. Like you can, that's what I'm saying. Like you don't have to pay the premium price, but you have to be, you have to really take the time. It looks like that the gold packages and the silver packages save you time and effort to get to those cool storylines. They're still right. available for you if you want to put in the, the sweat equity to get to them. Yeah. Uh, Tarek W. said, in early episodes, Ford, the big boss, takes a glitchy old bartender out for a whirl, and the assembled SWAT team uh, shows up armed to the teeth to respond. But these two bumbling fucking techs wake up a robot that's supposed to be asleep, have an existential conversation, parade around the entire goddamn facility, and then mm-hmm. drastically change their personality profile, and no one says a mumbling word. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I'm all for suspension of disbelief when it comes to flesh-covered robots and sentient machines, but shoddy protocol is a bridge too far. Uh, this is to represent the maybe Jim side of the brigade. Yeah. yeah, I'm having a real hard time suspending that disbelief on this. I didn't. I, uh, and it might yeah. be because in my heart of hearts, I just love fucking robot stories. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's always been like, I just love robot stories, robots falling in love, robots becoming humans. That shit is my bread and butter. Uh, mm. And maybe I'm just more willing to overlook it, but I honestly didn't have that big of a problem with this stuff. Okay. Rishi V, given the sudden proliferation of maze symbol sightings, why the heck did the man in black need a fucking scalp to get a copy? Seems like the maze is everywhere you turn in the last couple of episodes. We talked about that, but right on. Pablo L, has anyone brought this up? Uh, they've mentioned and have they mentioned Arnold's last name? Because going down the rabbit hole, <laughs> no, if you no. take Bernard Lowe and mix up that together and scramble them, you get Arnold uh, Weber. Uh, Arnold is a bot heresy. Just saying. Yeah. Oh my God. Next people. week we find out Arnold's people. last name's Weber. What are, are you? What are you going to do? Are you going to rage quit? I, are you going to bend over and take it? I guess I'll have to because there's no other. Like, <laughs> please don't let his last name be. Weber. I know. I mean, this anagram shit is literally stuff you pull in a kid's novel. It's, right. It's, it's Harry the Potter. Shit it's Encyclopedia Brown. It's the you know bloodhound gang it's whatever it's it's that kind of level of storytelling and i don't know that i like it at all no i don't i hate it um on the other hand unless they unless they have elsie like literally working out the puzzle on a terminal <laughs> like if they just don't mention it it's just like that was a hint maybe for like i, I if, if they don't shine a spotlight on it then maybe it'll be okay maybe but i'll still know and i'll still hate it <laughs> So have to re, you know wipe. We'll have to wipe your memory at the right. start of the next storyline. David P. So Maeve threatens to kill an asshole worker bee with a scalpel, and then the minute she's sitting down and can't do anything to amp up all her attributes, what the fuck? Yep. This the, we found another gym in the audience. The second I had that tablet in my hand, she would have been turned into a drooling blob of yep. robot meat. Yeah. Then I would have incinerated her and hauled ass out of the park. Also, they have these badass phones that can communicate through 20 levels of Earth, but Elsie has to download the information and manually carry it back to base. Why can't she be like the, holy crap, I'm telesending all this data right now? Plus, what's up with these stupid flashlights? I guess the best they can come up with in the future is to tape three LED flashlights together. They can build incredibly smart robots but can't fix their shitty lighting situation. Woo. All right. So let me tell. The Elsie thing I have less of a problem with. Yeah, me too. Um the technician stuff, uh, they're still going to get flagged for dropping all her shit to zero, right? Whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, they you're spike get, you're it to 20 flagged, or they one, drop it to zero. You're getting, you're getting flagged, flagged and you're in trouble. Right. Uh, but, but one doesn't have a murderous robot on your ass. And right. the other one has all those has, has the management breathing down your neck and also a murderous robot with a scalpel showing right. up your ass. I mean, 
I think the proper proper move there is to set the tablet on the table and walk out of the room. Let the robot do what the robot's going to do. <laughs> Wash your hands of the thing. But, like, Elsie, ha- I mean, that makes sense. Like, so, like, I got the 16 gig chip. Mm-hmm. And if I find this out in the field and I have my cell phone, I can't do shit with it until I get back and find a proper adapter. Right. She's working with old technology that's been obsolete and doesn't have a ready connection. Like, I feel like Are that's... Are sure about that? Because it did for Bernard. He goes downstairs and he types a login in and then connects his pad to the computer system. Well, maybe he can Wirelessly. do that. I don't know. Is the bicameral mind just that much older? I'm just saying I don't that, know. like, I don't know exactly, it's easy but... for me to believe that in the future you could yeah. have a situation where you just can't get the data right. without the proper How about adapter this? or whatever. Take a, ser- take a serial keyboard and try and plug it into your laptop. Yeah, right. You got a keyboard. <laughs> make it work. Right. Make it fucking work. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, David P. Well, nope, I already did How that. How about this? Take a 3.5 millimeter headset and try and stick it into your iPhone 7. <laughs> <laughs> without an adapter. Yes. Uh, John M. from Boston says, Hey, guys, I feel like people have been giving the show much credit for its meta, self-referential nature. In the most recent episode, I thought it reached a height when, one, both Bernard and Elsie found themselves asking if a person they encountered was Arnold. Is this not a brilliant reference to the right viewers themselves having mm. the same question whether a, when, whenever a new mysterious face appears? Additionally, in the last episode, when Felix says he's not a host, Maeve immediately counters with, How do you know? which, in addition to the philosophical question, is poking some fun at the fact that the audience can't help but theorize when human characters could be revealed to be a robot. Or it could be hinting that one of them is a robot. <laughs> it's true. Felix <laughs> Felix is a robot. You hear, heard it here first. No, yeah. there's no way. That was a theory three weeks ago. Uh, two other points. The maze both is and symbolizes the mystery of the show that keeps people intrigued. This duality, more than anything, I think, is what leads people to theorize that the getting... To the center could be the equivalent of a host killing or being able to kill guests. This would make perfect sense since the question of when and where such a moment could happen is exactly the audience expected outcome of the pursuit of the maze Mm -hmm. and the host consciousness that comes along with it. Uh, Also, in the last two episodes, the show has almost playfully taunted us with the timeline theory. In Contrapasso, they could have so easily confirmed or heavily suggested the validity of the theory by simply having Lawrence appear in Pariah before he was killed. By having it happen in sequence, it almost seems to suggest that we, the audience, are being messed with way more than it does anything to hide the multi-timeline possibility. I felt further confirmed of this in the last episode where it's mentioned that the borders are closed because of some ambiguous trouble in Pariah. Uh, That's interesting. Like, you can't get to Pariah because Lawrence is already previously engaged. Like, it's one of those things that Lawrence can only entertain. He's out on the train, perhaps. So so suddenly you can't get to Pariah. Now, we have been... It gives you an idea of how the park can kind of adapt to these situations. Right, right. Maybe the guy that was... Like, if if we have a one-timeline situation, or no flashback situation, rather, um, that uh, whoever El Lazo's man would have just led them around in circles in the desert until Lawrence is ready to see them. Yeah, maybe. That's kind of the case I made last episode. But, yeah, I mean, pretty good analysis there. I don't... I have a lot to say about it. He wraps up, in my opinion, the writers clearly know that we, the audience, are thinking of these possible theories and many others. The fact that these moments seem to toy with the ideas gives a satisfying feeling that our theory-driven thinking is totally on track for what is intended. In a sense, you could say that the audience is on their proper loop as the creators intended. (laughs) Much like the subject matter of the show, the meta text of the show has become largely about self-awareness. And that's interesting that 
the meta theory contextualization is part of the story that they're actually telling. Right. Which I thought that's something like I've, you know, um, I don't, I want to get too much into, to talking to, to video game talk. Oh, I thought you were going to But go it goes back to like, you know, when seen. I was saying in year one of destiny that the, the fact that it didn't have a story and that you had to grope and find these stupid dead ghosts and get on your cell phone and read it actually made it feel more connected. If, if you bothered to engage the story at all, it made you feel more connected because you're actually hmm. this, this, this person that's going back and trying to f- sift through all these conflicting historical accounts and figure out what actually happened where they just told you with a conventional cutscene structure. Now that's just me apologizing for Bungie. But I also right. think that, you know, it could be I wonder like if you're in a if you're in a writer's room and you know, they're having conversations, like, are they aware of like, oh well if we do this, Reddit's gonna go fucking crazy. And then there's a choice. I don't choice. know how you predict that stuff, though. There, there's a choice the about reaction. whether you lean into that or whether you... Because I know that, like, when we were listening to, like, the Breaking Bad Insider or the Better Call Saul Insider, mm-hmm. Villigan and company talks a lot about, oh, we didn't do this because we thought the audience would go down the hole we didn't want them to. Or we were deliberately misdirecting and hoping the audience would think this. So I know that type of stuff, like the audience in a meta context comes up you don't want to lose the audience you want to lead the audience but you don't want the audience to feel like they're being led oh yeah and i wonder now we've got like this post reddit society post true detective post um mr robot where the showrunners are actually trying to manipulate that as another level of like i need this arg because it's going to be yet another channel that i give information to the fan like to the, the viewers it's going to be part of their viewing experience it's naive to think it won't be it's no longer just a bonus game to keep people involved it's actually going to be part of the experience that's you're intended to have right but i guess you have to have a couple of different stratas of of viewers right like the the super engaged ones and the not so engaged ones and you have to right like the, the, the graded experience has to still work right right if you take all of the information out of the show and shove it into some ARG game that 90% of the people aren't going to see, sure. you failed. Right, right. But there, I, there I, is some balance. And I also sure. don't think, as right now, all the evidence suggests that most of these ARGs are done by some other creative company that has right. very, like, like they get, like, an outline of, like, some things and some cool hooks, and then they go and spin this. But I feel like that we're getting close to a point where there's going to be, like, I know, like, um shit what was that one sci-fi show that may or may not still be defiant D- yeah where yeah. it was going to be a like a video game that mm-hmm. the show moved the plot forward and then the video game would move the plot forward and it would hand off i don't know that it actually worked out that way but mm-hmm. i feel like that we are going to be in our lifetime something like that where there's going to be a narrative that's that's actually part of the the core experience that you will be left out on or you will only enjoy half of what you've got. It'd be like skipping se- – essentially skipping the ARG or the games are going to be like skipping season two of something. Like you can do it and get back up to right. speed, but it's certainly not what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean I guess mm, – I mean that's not what Destiny is. No. No? What? Why? What do you? What do you like? Mean? Why does it have to be approached from the TV first angle? Why can't it be approached from the game first? Wasn't angle? that Defiant or, though? Like Defiant was the game that's propped up the show that propped up the game, right? So like, 
you would you would play the game and the i guess the show would fill in pieces that were missing from the game not not kind of the other way around but i guess it's it's both yeah, I'm trying level. to think of how that would work because I think this is like this is the next level of you know because like, video games become this huge industry on their own and Westworld is poking fun at it and having fun with 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 that and so of course TV and movies have still it seems natural that like you know maybe you'd have a movie series like Star Wars you know Star Wars provides Luke and Leia and they and Han and they go and they blow up the Death Star and then like you know the dark force is video game told the story of the rebel agent who stole the death star plans. Like that would be kind of cool, but those, that's still an optional adventure. I'm trying to think of a way where, you know, you set up some stakes in the movie or the television show that then are resolved in the game world. And the ultimate would be whatever happens in the game. Then the writers take to then tell the next phase of the cinematic story. That's right. very limited right now I guess in games. My question would be why not package those together? I, would, why not? Like just make the TV show cutscenes. Why not? But the, but but what the, do you to gain? Be truly engaging what happens in the game has to influence the the television show. Uh-huh. And it would if they were packaged together. I mean, why what what is the difference between a cutscene and the show you're talking about? Well, because it takes. Uh, what, so I guess what I'm saying is, are you suggesting that you would play whatever happens in the week informs the episode? Because you'd have to have some kind of crazy fast South Park. You're talking style about real turnaround. real time creation of content. Then. Yes. Okay. Because I'm thinking more of like the, the you have a season of television, mm. then the off season is the video game. Sure. I don't think this is an interesting conversation any longer. Okay. Well, uh, it's, it's very end of the podcast, which is why okay. I'm gotcha. having it now. Gotcha. Uh, sure. If somebody can seamlessly meld those two things, I would be surprised and delighted. Okay. <laughs> and that's the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Westworld at baldmove.com and forums at baldmove.com. If you'd like to send us feedback for next week mm-hmm. when we find out that everyone's a host yep. and all the hosts are actual guests. Lee. Lee can Lee's he... the only human. Oh, Jesus. And it's a do, cruel and practical doing it, joke. Ford's doing it as a joke. He's the ah. only human in Westworld, it turns out. I would love that. That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> that would be right. pretty sweet. And then he has to play a video game to see whether he gets fired or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> called <laughs> Job Simulator. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week for the mm-hmm. next episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.